0: Winkly. I am your host and managing editor of WrestlingInc.com, Nick Houseman. I am joined here as I am never, ever any Friday because we don't do Friday shows, but we are <laughs> this week. This Friday, I am joined by Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome to the Winkly. Welcome to the Fun Friday episode of the Winkly.
1: I mean, I do Friday shows. It's just the SmackDown post game show, not the Winkly with you. Actually, you never do Friday Winkly. So, yeah, this is the Fun Size Friday, a follow up to your Halloween festivities. You can see Nick and I are decked out in our Halloween gear for today's podcast and ready to go.
0: That was my laser gun because we're having a fun <laughs> Friday.
1: I was like, wait, are we this thing going down? The ship is crashing already. This is not good.
0: Yeah, my desk is literally just littered with toys. I would have blown a space, space laser man for Halloween. Is that what you are? No, dude, I'm just a space laser man every day of the week because <laughs> I'm an adult. Uh, I, I It is Friday. I'm always a little wackier on Friday. We're going to keep it loose, we're going to have a fun. Um, But uh, we're going to keep it fun, Uh, but we've got a a lot of news to get here today. Uh, Of course, we are doing the episode here today on Friday because yesterday was Crown Jewel. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to release two podcasts within about about a three-hour period. Our show would have been dead news within a couple of hours. So uh, rather than do that, we're releasing one here today, Friday afternoon, the Winkly. Uh, If you want to go listen to the Crown Jewel recap, it is up right now over on our iTunes channel, over on our YouTube channel. Go take that in. We're going to talk about some of the news coming out of Crown Jewel here in a little bit as well. But other than the news of the past 48 hours, we also have some audio for you here today. Now, of course, tomorrow night is going to be MLW's Saturday Night Super Fight. This is MLW's first ever pay-per-view. It'll be on pay-per-view via DirecTV. It'll also be on fight.tv. You can go stream it there. Uh, And in honor of that... To get excited for that, we got two big MLW interviews to drop in your ear holes here today. Of course, we have MLW CEO, the founder, Court Bauer. He will be here today. We this is a new Z 20 minutes here with Court Bauer. We get a lot packed into this one, so strap in for that. And right after Court Bauer, you're gonna get one of my favorite stars of the Attitude Era. He is the Caribbean Champion. He is the former leader of Los Barriquas. It is Savio Vega in the house here today. He uses a bob wire on Mick Foley. That's my favorite line from this interview coming up. All right. Um, And then after both of those interviews, we actually have a little bit more extra audio for you here. Uh, Of course, our own Brian Wool went out to the Impact Wrestling uh, media event uh, last Friday. It was the Friday before Bound for Glory. So this is one of our last interviews that was taped before Bound for Glory. And uh, on Wednesday's episode, we had a brand new episode with new Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, Sammy Callahan where he reacted to his big title win talked about how he celebrated that win what his future plans are well this little this last little interview here you're gonna hear to end the your week well this is a this is a Sammy Callahan that is 48 hours before he wins that big title so just a fun little bit of audio we all, by the way this uh, that Callahan uh, interview we're dropping here later today with Brian wool if you like it you want to share it around you know just share the iTunes around that's fine but it'll also be in video form. You can go over to our YouTube channel. You can watch Sammy Callahan uh, get uh, peppered with hard hitting questions from Brian <laughs> Wool over there right now as well. So big slam banging, uh, ham tossed episode of the Winkley today. Is ham tossed a phrase?
1: Maybe for Thanksgiving. I don't know about the rest of the year though. I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't. So you you got you got Sammy Hall, Callahan too. You might have said this in your your spiel. Um, you got him recently too. Am I right?
0: I got him on. Yeah, I interviewed him Wednesday morning. We dropped it on the Wednesday Winkley.
1: I have not listened to that yet um yeah man that's awesome yeah that's
0: awesome. yeah he uh, yeah he, uh, he he was really cool he's i like sammy he's always been nice to me and he's very uh very open in this uh conversation that we had on wednesday and i uh, you should go listen to it if you haven't listened to it you should all go back and listen to it uh brandon you Williams. should
1: listen to brian wall's interview and then go listen to nick's interview
0: sure if you want to do it sequentially i know i'm releasing them out of order here but you know what it's fun friday <laughs> let's get weird Ooh, post halloween spectacular <laughs> all right News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. We're going to try to go through the news here as sequentially as we can for the past 48 hours because there is so much to get to. Uh, we'll start on Wednesday night. Uh, coming into Thursday morning, we found out the viewership for AEW and NXT. Uh, Showbuzz Daily reporting that for the fifth week in a row, AEW Dynamite has topped WWE NXT in viewership. Wednesday's Dynamite episode... On NXT, drew seven hundred eighty nine thousand viewers, which is down twenty one percent from last week. NXT did five hundred eighty thousand viewers, down seventeen percent from the from the follow previous week. So five straight weeks of viewer viewership drop. But it should be noted that this week there was some particularly big competition against both shows, as it was Game Seven of the World Series, a hot Nationals Astros finals, uh, which was a, which was a big game. I went down to my local bar watched it after AEW and nxt but i could see why people would, would be watching that as well um and uh well,
1: especially whenever there is the chance that a team could walk away with the world series in that game which is exactly what happened so there's
0: not a chance there's a guarantee what is it? they're gonna give it a hell of a the selfish they're like no you know what you know what tie game and uh, umpire's discretion i'm tired this seems you seem fatigued we've been doing a lot of baser ball recently we're going to a game eight, people. Come back tomorrow.
1: It's a know? no, contest. It's, no not a, contest. it's not a disqualification.
0: It's a no contest. <laughs> play, match stoppage. Is that, They're a game stoppage. That's a real thing, but they go. They, they, then they get back to the game after the game stoppage. But then
1: we're going to do a last man standing baseball match.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're going to uh. play until your hands fall off. So, no, none of that happened. But the World Series did garner 23 million viewers. Um, nobody really was expecting either show to go up. I would think this is the lowest it's going to get, though. For I think this is how low you can go, viewership wise. Both of these shows, they got to see a, a rebound next week, and if they don't, uh, that's 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 very telling. And uh, we'll have an entirely different conversation next week, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean, you say this is the lowest they could go, but also keep in mind December 25th is on a Wednesday this year, and both these shows. I don't know if they're going to show live episodes or do a recap special or, or whatever, but um, these shows will be going up against both Christmas and um, New Year's Day this year, so that should be interesting. And New Year's yeah. Day traditionally a big sure. NCAA football day, but yeah, these are these are low numbers, and yeah, attribute it to World Series Game Seven. That's a big deal. 23 million viewers watching that. I still, it, it puts a pit in my stomach to see NXT get down to, you know, just below 600,000, just above 500,000. That's a, not a good territory, and and AEW's dropped there 21%. You, you can tell that, if you look at the numbers, AEW does seem to draw more from that typical sports fan audience because their numbers seem to drop a little bit steeper uh, whenever a sporting a sports event comes on. Um, but $799,000, i am sure anytime you get below a million, AEW's just a little bit concerned about it. Uh, I hope it comes back up next week. The question is, how much should we expect it to rebound? Does AEW settle back up at $1 million and NXT back at 750000 I don't know. But sure. these, shows, these shows aren't growing. That's I'll, the I'll, other concern here.
0: I will say this. The viewership drop is not because of lack of trying. I, I really do sure. think the last two weeks of both of the shows have been some of the better content that either – has put out and i I will i would like to think that that is going to yield some dividends here hopefully in the in the coming weeks because you're right christmas episodes and stuff those are going to be down but as far as like in the immediacy here we i think week by week five straight losses i think we're going to see a win here in the sixth uh is my is my estimation um and you know i i think it's interesting too when i was looking at these numbers and you know we do a great job of tracking the viewership if you ever go to our articles raj and and Mark and Josh do a great job of keeping track of all the viewership. Um, the these numbers are roughly half of the debut of both shows, like from the mm. from start to finish, the if week one to week five in that period. This is roughly like they've all gone to half of where they debuted. So again, it's like I can't see this bleed continuing. This has got to be the end of the road, at least for now. I think that they're going to start to see themselves rebuilding up here, and, and you know. And they should, because the shows have been good. So let's get into that. Um, We'll go through some of the news items coming out of the shows uh, on NXT and AEW on Wednesday night. Uh, First of all, Wednesday night, SCU won the AEW World Tag Team titles in the main event. Very surprising. I think a lot of people had the Lucha Brothers. I had the Lucha Brothers pegged to win the titles here, but good for them. It was a nice swerve, and um, you know the Lucha Brothers will be fine. They're the Lucha Brothers. SCU, I feel like, yeah, they deserve and should have this win. They needed a little something special right now.
1: Well, there's something going on with SCU there. I mean, they're telling the story with with Daniels and doing that whole thing. And so I like them winning. I think it does set them up to continue the feud with Lucha Bros. And, and Lucha Bros is doing cool stuff. Um but I'm, I'm glad they told a continuous story throughout the tag team tournament. Yes, the focus here being on the world tag team titles, they feel super important, almost as important as the tag team tournament match from um, uh, yesterday's crown jewel event. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but no, the tag team, world tag team titles were very important, but they did tell a story in AEW going out of its way to tell interesting stories while still being a sport-like show, and I dig that.
0: Yeah, and you know, I really uh, I tweeted this out, and this got a warm reception where I said, you know, the inner circle, I think it's a really smart idea right now. It's as big Overarching storyline, you know, that also can uh, work its way into small segments. You know, I really liked uh, Ortiz and uh, Santana. They attacked the Rock and Roll Express. They put Ricky Morton through that stage. They attacked Dustin Rhodes in the back. They uh, they took out Dustin. They broke his arm. He's got a cast on today, or he's selling. He's got a cast on today because they slammed his hand into a into a car. Uh, And then they attacked uh, the Young Bucks, hiding underneath those uh, Rick and Morty masks. You know, they were weaved throughout and. You know they were not included in the tag tournament, and I think it's really interesting here with the the Santana Ortiz Young Bucks match. That's going to be very exciting. There's a lot of natural heat here. You got SCU in the position that they're in now. The tag team division has has nicely started to find some some feud, some energy outside of just the title picture, which immediately I think sets it apart from the WWE, which is really the only time. You ever see anybody get any feuds of storylines with tag title with, with in tag teams is when they when they seem to have the titles, you know?
1: Well, that's the beauty of this tag team tournament, right? You got to spotlight all these teams, right? You have this audience that came in to watch AEW. Maybe they had seen some of the pay-per-views, but you got to spotlight all of these tag teams through something that mattered, and it gave everybody a chance to kind of show what they were unique for. Even if they didn't win, they got a chance to show off, and they had a spotlight a lot of times opening up AEW that week, and then it pays dividends whenever you have to go back to those characters now because the audience knows who they are. They're established, and I love the way AEW is just – they're not telling a capital S story like what WWE does. Like, oh, look, we have this segment with Lana and Lashley at a restaurant, and we are obviously telling a story right now before we go to the wrestling piece. They're weaving it in, to your point, there's attacks happening before matches, during matches, and it just feels very organic, Yeah, and you don't have to call attention. It's not like, look, this was our story beat for the week. They just do things, and the things matter over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I I thought it was just a well executed series of uh, segments. They flowed together really well on AEW, and one of the best segments I thought on the whole show that I was like really skeptical of at first, but was proven very wrong because I love where this is going now. Uh, they did this uh, it leaked on like Twitter I think before they showed it on the show. But John Moxley gets called into to Tony Khan's office, and you hear the audio behind the door of Tony Khan saying, "Hey, it's gotten too tense between you and Kenny Omega, so your match now at Full Gear is going to be an unsanctioned lights out match." Which uh, Moxley gets upset about because that means if it's not sanctioned, it's not going to play into his win-loss record. And if if, if he's not going to get a win on his win-loss record for a win over Kenny Omega, then what is this all even worth, right? It's like, you know, he, he was, I guess, orchestrating this whole plan to try to get a big win over Kenny Omega, and it just got thrown out the door. So uh, he comes out to the ring, and he cuts this incredible promo, I think just the best promo of this era, period. Mm. Um, about how he's tired of getting treated like this animal that nobody understands. He gets treated differently, and this is just like how everybody else treats him. Kind of throwing some allusions to how he was treated in WWE. I just was so 100 on the hook for this, and he's gonna. I'm I'm convinced he's gonna murder Kenny Omega. Right? Like I'm. I j- like I know it's all a story, but it's like. I I am willing to suspend my disbelief under these circumstances with this particular individual to be like, I cannot wait to watch this man try to murder Kenny Omega.
1: Yeah, Moxley has found his voice in an incredible way. We knew he could do it, right? I mean, you you kind of speculated he could because of what he did with the shield. He's found it, and he really showed it this week. Um, The details here are amazing. I've always hated those backstage segments in WWE where they're showing, oh, look, we have this locker room secret, but there's a camera in there, right? So I love the kind of closed door. We're talking about this. Nobody should be hearing it, but the camera is looking at it anyway. I dug all of that. And, yeah, I think it takes us up a notch, right? It makes this feeling of, number one, they're tying in the wins-losses without it actually having to be a winner-loss that counts, but number two, it makes something like an unsanctioned lights-out match feel even more intense. Something that WWE does all the time. Oh, it's a no-holds-barred. But what are they always fighting for? Momentum. And, and it just never feels special. They have amped this up a notch, and I think, you know, we didn't get it at the last pay-per-view. This is the match that I am probably the most excited about um, coming up at uh, Full Gear.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the cards really taking shape here, you know? And uh, I know that the, the Baltimore tickets have been a little slower in the selling than in other markets, but I wouldn't be surprised here if we are seeing an uptick in that and uh you know it's just very exciting. I love I, I can't say enough good things about this promo. The only other thing I'll say is of course Tony Khan is now a character, right? Like right. It, you know it uh you know he, he's openly talked about not wanting to be a character, but here we are, it was the last day of the first month. Couldn't just <laughs> couldn't wait a month, right? Not that there's anything wrong with it again. Everything here worked, but it's I mean he's a character now. Somebody's going to lay out to, Tony Khan at some point and probably get some heat. Technically he's kind of like an off-screen character though, right? Like they he was put not... his name they put it He, dude. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Dr. Claw was uh, an on-screen character. He was the the nemesis of Inspector Gadget. That is an old reference. I feel very old. And I'm just he,
1: seeing Tony Khan now sitting in the back in a chair petting a cat, yeah. right as he waits for <laughs> he, My next appointment, please.
0: <laughs> he is the Dr. Claw of AEW. Is to, 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 Tony Claw? Um,
1: if we had one of those, you know how like movies have those liners on them? And if, if our podcast had a liner, I would want that to be the liner. Tony Khan is the Dr. Claw of
0: AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody uh, make that Photoshop. Do it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. You should. And some people, by the way, I've noticed that when I ask the, the listeners to do things now, they're like doing it on Twitter. So yeah, that's a fun <laughs> one. It's a fun Friday. So why don't you go out there and make a Tony Kla- Tony Khan? I'm gonna say, Klon. Tony Klon. That's it. Oh man, oof. make your make your little graphics. All right, um, and I did put it on the run sheet, but I would be remiss if I didn't say I absolutely loved all the Rick and Morty stuff with the best friends and in uh, Orange Cassidy.
1: Partnerships are back, baby. I mean, again, so Turner owns TNT, owns it's Smart, Adult Swim. It felt <laughs> like it reminded me of what they used to do. The good when they did it well. In WCW Nitro,
0: yeah, I liked I, it, and it was Halloween too, so everybody dresses up and it's like acts, you know, it's, it all worked for me. I loved it. I had, I had one well-respected friend that hit me up and was like, "This feels a little too much like WWE," and I was like, "I think WWE wishes they could get the Rick and Morty up right now. Like, it's right in their demo, man. Right in the demo." So anyway, let's look at what WWE presented here on Wednesday night. I thought this was the best of the Wednesday night shows they've done here since making the leap over to USA with NXT. Uh, big news coming out of it. William Regal has announced the first ever women's war games match. And I think this is across generations. I don't recall a female war games from any of the other previous iterations, uh, from WCW and such.
1: No, I'd have to look at the, the, the history there, but I do not remember it either, actually.
0: Yeah. So this is a, this is legit. This is the first ever war games match here with two women's teams. Again, Hey, if you're listening, you want something else to engage me with? Prove me wrong if possible. All right. Um, <laughs> The two team captains are going to be Rhea Ripley and NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. We're waiting. Confirmation on the participants, but based on what happened, it looks like the War Games match is going to see Shayna Baszler, Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir, Io Shirai, and Bianca Belair taking on Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, and a mystery fifth partner, maybe, likely, Mia Yim. But that's not all. It does look like we will also be getting a men's War Games match as well. So two War Games matches here. Uh, of course, NXT ended with Ciampa, Riddle, and Keith Lee facing off with the Undisputed Era, uh, Cole, Riley, O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Uh, it looked like Ciampa was about to go get the NXT title, but he told Goldie that their reunion was going to have to wait because Ciampa is going to war with Cole. So while WWE has not confirmed the second War Games match for TakeOver, of course, you know, the line there from Ciampa about we're going to war would seem to apply. they're going to be having another War Games match. So two War Games matches, men's and women's. How do you feel about it?
1: Uh, y- my only complaint here I'm I'm glad we're doing the first ever women's war games match it's, it's special it's unique it feels like it's time it gives the women a spotlight here uh, I love war games matches in general so totally excited and they have this feud built up with um, the Undisputed Era so dig all of that but we have so many multi-man or multi-man slash multi women matches happening from the span of October 31st to November 25th that it drives me a little bit crazy we had what well, we had at Crown Jewel yesterday we've got Survivor Series which is Going to be what it's going to be this year. We have this match happening. Like these are just all these multi-man matches, and I just it becomes a little bit exhausting. I feel like I can't get excited about any of them quite
0: as much. I don't know. Nitpicky, nitpicky. I, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I get, I get the, I get the complaint. I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think this will be a good show. And I, what I kind of like about this too. Is um you know well, of course with the the undisputed they've got all the titles so the men's match could be for all these titles you know whoever gets the pin or whatever the you know the stipulation has been speculated that could be happening but with the women man I really love what they're doing at the women's division in NXT right now I think it's cool that Shayna and Rhea uh they get different teams and it keeps them apart for another pay per view and it gives a little it's gonna give a little bit more fuel to that match because man Rhea Ripley so- man she of all the people that seem to be breaking out uh, especially over on the NXT side. I see more and more buzz about her every week. She's got a real, uh, she's got a, like that it factor to her. You know, she pops something off something unique. Yeah. Like she
1: just you, you remember her. You think about her after the event, and like, <laughs> man, what could they do yeah. with Rhea Ripley?
0: Yeah, and that finisher, sick man. That like standing Oof. that standing scorpion spin into like the the submission hold on the ground. Brutal looking, brutal.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's something, too, I'm glad that we're seeing, which is that division has needed a boost for quite some time. and And there's tons of talent down there, don't get me wrong, but it felt like for so long, main roster was pilfering, 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 and it kind of left them with a bare bones there for a while. And I think you're starting to see now that division has kind of has pumped back up in a, in a really important way with somebody like Rhea Ripley leading it. Um, Bianca Belair is really coming to her own. Um, Candice LeRae, I just can't say enough nice things about. So yeah, just a, a lot of great stuff happening around that women's
2: division.
0: Um, well, you know, we said Moxley, he cut that promo on AEW. Finn Balor was the one who had promo of the night on NXT, uh, wrapping up the show, talking about how there's too many fans in the locker room and, you know, really put himself over. I thought it was good. You know, obviously the change of pace here for Balor does seem to be resonating, but you know, if I'm putting one against the other here, I, I far more enjoyed the Moxley promo than what I thought Finn put out, which was also which was also good.
1: Yeah, Moxley just had a little bit of edge to it, but Finn is Finn is in a great spot too. I love him being on the post game show for, um, what was it, the locker room SmackDown post game, what whatever they call that. What is it, the SmackDown post-game uh, WWE show?
0: backstage?
1: Oh yeah, the backstage show, whatever it was last week. So I, I enjoyed seeing him on there and the way he's putting over this new persona it makes a lot of sense. It's a good next step for him. But he just wasn't able to have that same level of ignited fire that I think Moxley brings.
0: Um, and uh, Unhinged
1: uh, chaos, we'll say.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it resonates here. You know, we'll see. Uh, Finn's still kind of in like a middle uh, ground area. I mean, you know, he's definitely heel, but he didn't fully side with Undisputed Era. So we don't really know exactly what direction he's quite going yet. He's teasing maybe bringing the Balor Club to, to NXT, so maybe recruiting a, a couple folks. I know he said in an interview he thought AOP, Authors of Pain would be good for the Balor Club. That would be kind of interesting to bring huh. them into NXT with, as his backup uh, in the Balor Club. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and lastly, of course, Poppy. Pop singer Poppy. You know Poppy?
1: Mm-hmm. Poppy. Poppy performs. All the kids talking about Poppy. <laughs>
0: Poppy. I feel. I do. I feel really old whenever we talk about her because I'm sure there's like, oh, Poppy, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. She seems to be uh, a professional uh good singer. singer anyway she opened up the show did the, the intro i thought it was cool i liked it i thought this was like a, it wasn't overwhelming it wasn't putting away where the fans were gonna boo it i thought it added some nice energy to it i honestly i have no problems with what poppy and nxt did i thought poppy poppy was great love Poppy. it
1: was a better version of what they try to do on raw all the time but this should make you feel really old nick poppy was born in
0: 1995 hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> big poppy poppy big pop poppy big pop for the poppy you need more pops you want more pops bring in poppy
1: <laughs> now that was a cheap poppy right there Cheap
0: poppy cheap poppy this is not gonna end this is not ended now and i will probably bring it back up by the end of the show happy
1: halloween everybody
0: and we're out of here fun friday woo uh all right and this brings us to crown jewel man what a 48 hours it has been so we let's, uh, let's talk about uh, all of the, the news that happened during the show. We'll get to post-show news in a bit. But, of course, the big news coming out of Crown Jewel, The Fiend Bray Wyatt defeated Seth Rollins for Universal Championship. Uh, he did bring the headlamp out with him. The match uh, took place under red lights. Uh, the Fiend no-sold getting thrown off the stage into some ex- production equipment with, like, lots of fireworks and spectacle going off. Um, and it, it believed he will be a guest on it at Miz TV tonight on Smackdown uh, to uh, Bray Wyatt will be, I would guess, with, with this title here on behalf of the Fiend. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I don't want to get you know, I don't want to get too off the, the beaten path here because I am happy for, for Bray. Very well deserved. This character's obviously resonated. This is just a little uncomfortable for me to watch at points. The headlamp thing was very bad taste, I thought, for me. And uh, the red light stuff, not that I, like, inherently was like, oh, this are, this adds an even... It's just, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy looking at... I don't think the red light thing adds anything to these Bray Wyatt matches. Yeah,
1: the red light is bad. The headlamp thing, you know, I, I'm glad they're doing that stateside. It does feel weird overseas. A <laughs> little odd um,
0: considering the circumstances, yes. yes. yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the rest of the match was fine. The crowd kind of came and went with it. And so it was, it was fine. It felt, felt to me like we've got to make up for the negative fan reaction from last month so kudos to them for recognizing that they kind of screwed up and maybe trying to write the ship yeah um it's strange that your raw champion is not going to be on smackdown and it's even stranger to me that bray wyatt um is being advertised as being a guest on miss tv and that's where he's going to make his first appearance but i hope it is you know firefly funhouse bray wyatt out there hamming it up with miz that could be a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah i agree and uh it, I, I think that it's um you know, I think that it's just interesting to note that, like, you could have probably done this exact same thing and still have had Bray just straight up win the Hell in a Cell and done the rematch <laughs> this way at at Crown Jewel and probably it would have doubled the momentum that they have right now for this guy. You know, it's just baffling looking back on it to where we are now, why they could have just gone with a little bit more straightforward finish at the Hell in a Cell match.
1: This felt like a makeup call is what this felt like. So is it, am I confused here? I thought this was a last man standing match at one point.
0: I think it, it, it was supposed to be a last-man-standing match. It did end with a pinfall, though, didn't it?
1: it well, they, but they changed it. I heard it yesterday, and they're like, it's going to be a Falls Can Anywhere oh, oh. match. And I, and that's what they did the last-man-standing match on Raw, right? That's a warm-up match wait, for wait. Seth. wait, wait. Did nobody wait. talk about
0: this? Yes, Is this we did. You use... I didn't even notice, man. I did not even notice that until this moment. You're
1: right. What? And you could have done the finish what? as a last-man-standing match. I mean, the pinfall felt kind of weird because all the setup with the – equipment and all that exploding i don't know what
0: oh i hadn't even thought they might have just got there and they're like you know what let's just do it let's just let's just get this over with let's put this guy over let's do right yeah. Yeah. it worked yeah maybe i cursed myself talking about the fiend i went and rubbed my eye and i was cutting jalapenos this morning and, oh my god my eye yeah, is on fire right now. All right. I
1: did love the the um, not to no sell your eye is on fire here, Nick, but um, I did love the uh, Fox tweet afterwards about um, Raw. You know, where's your championship at Raw? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Both titles on on SmackDown now. What do you think they do? Are they gonna trade Wyatt or, or Lesnar away?
1: I, you could trade. I think you trade Wyatt over. He's the oddball. I think Fox. It sounded like wanted Lesnar. So. Or maybe you keep both titles on Raw for, I mean, on SmackDown for a hot minute and they, let Wyatt and Lesnar feud.
0: I think the Fox would wanted Lesnar or Ronda Rousey, but there's been a lot of buzz about Ronda maybe coming back. So maybe you could do the Lesnar switch and then bring Ronda in here, you know, for Survivor Series right after or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. And I do like that you are like, oh, what are they going to do? That's
0: that's fascinating. Yeah. All right. Uh, and speaking of Brock Lesnar, he defeated Kane uh, Velasquez quick. The Camorra lock. A little over two minutes here. The Observer reporting the idea was always to do a short match, but with Kane's knee in such bad shape, they just decided to do a match where nothing happened in the match. Um, The belief is that Kane is going to need knee surgery for now. No word yet on when that's going to happen. He is still scheduled to tag with Rey Mysterio down at the uh, Mexico show, I think November 30th, uh, the WWE live event. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like everybody knew what was going into this. You know, Quick MMA style bout. I kind of thought they were just trying to send a message to Kane because they did that when uh, when Lesnar came back initially, having John Cena beat him to let him know, you know, this isn't UFC anymore. We get to pick if you win or mm-hmm. lose. Uh, but no, that's not the case. You know, Kane just came in, want to make a big payday, wrestle short match? Who doesn't? Who don't?
1: 0 oh 1 0 oh 1 in, in WWE fight. No, it does feel like the, the feud here. Is really Lesnar Mysterio moving forward, and Mysterio's been established a little bit more throughout this. That feels more personal. I don't think Mysterio will win, but it does feel like there's a little bit of a little bit animosity there that I can get
0: behind. Yeah, and you know, a lot of emotion here, and uh, Ray is still a very big draw, and I think the just the also the kind of the freak show factor of how big Brock is compared to Ray Mysterio, I can see kind of luring fans in as well. You know.
1: Yeah, I think they've got – I mean, if Kane does need to go out for knee surgery, the only thing I will say about that is I think they've got a lot of work to do to establish him as being credible with the WWE audience. I saw him coming out last night or yesterday, and he just feels kind of just there. I mean, he's he's not bigger than life like a lot of these guys are. You hear about Vince McMahon and all these guys talking about that it factor. I think Kane can get there, but he just feels like he's just a person right now.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, a match that did not go short. went longer than expected. Honestly, it was Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. I thought the times of the matches would be flipped here. Could not have been more wrong. Uh, Tyson Fury defeated Braun Strowman ultimately by count out. Uh, he punched Braun Strowman, uh, out of the ring. That's how we got the count out victory. Braun League knocked out on the outside. Braun came back into the ring after the match. He hit a power, his like big power slam on Tyson Fury. He yelled at him, "This is my ring." He walked out of the ring, and Tyson Fury just like stood up and just started yelling, (laughs) "Like, there's no selling." And then I'm gonna call. I'm gonna have what I call now a furious no sell, which is what Tyson Fury did here, Um, and just jaw jacked. (laughs) Didn't act like he was no selling here. Um, Apparently, the uh, original idea, according to the observer here. Um, was for Fury to face Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Think about that. Uh, that idea was changed when they were able to sign Kane Velasquez to a deal. deal. Uh, Brock versus Fury never got past the early discussions, but as noted, Fury is open to work with WWE again in the future. This uh, His match with Strowman was said to be one-off, at least for now. But down the road, we could get the big Tyson Fury-Brock Lesnar match in WWE. Wonderful.
1: Ooh, the the big Tyson Fury Brock Lesnar. People clamoring for that. Clamoring for it, baby.
0: Clamoring for it. Um,
1: Furiously, they're clamoring.
0: I really honestly didn't have like a huge issue with the knockout countout finish. I was like, all right, it's kind of creative. It's it's believable. Like if you're trying mm-hmm. to think of a, a boxing, how does a boxer believably beat a wrestler type finish? I thought it was okay. Did not like the no the furious no sell. At the end,
1: yeah, and I didn't like this match. And I mean, it was fine. The finish was not my complaint about this. My complaint about this was A, it went too long. B, I don't feel like it did much for anybody. I mean, Strowman kind of took it on the chin here, so he kind of looks a little bit worse by result. But if Fury's not going to do much with WWE right now, why is he here other than for a payday? Do the fans actually, did they ever care about this feud? I don't really think, I don't know. It just does nothing for me for the time it took to talk about it and do it and yeah. now discuss it again.
0: Well, $15 million. There you go. That's what you get. Do uh, we get
1: that for talking about it? Can I, can th- I cash in on that?
0: Yes, $15 million. Invoice it to Rush. All right. Um, Natalia and Lacey Evans wrestled in uh, the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. They both wore these big bodysuits, uh, these long body sh- suits, long shirts, uh, very covered up. Tons of pyro here for Natalia. Uh, They made it feel like a big deal. A lot of emotion involved here. You could tell it really genuinely meant a lot to Natalia and Lacey to do this. Um, Of everything they did on the show, this probably felt like the classiest thing. I'm sure that there's a million different ways this could be torn up um, by more mainstream uh, international political pundits. But he did. It, it felt like, at least in that moment, it felt like a, a good thing, you know.
1: I am very jaded, and yes, they ran this show almost a year to the day that Jamal Khashoggi died. Because. But, but yes, I did think I, I did think, though Natalia, Lacey Evans, both embraced the moment and focused on the change here. And I want to put this out there: these two women, yes, they did what their employer asked them, but they embraced this for the right reasons. And sure. as we talk about geopolitical, whatever, whatever, right? Keep in mind, that is an employer decision. I do not and would not hold it against these two women. So I I applaud what they did in the ring and how seriously they took this event.
0: Yeah, I agree. They made this moment feel special and and pulled you in. So well done by Natalia and Lacey Evans uh, in that regard as well. Um, Humberto Carrillo won the 20-man battle royal on the kickoff show. He had a rematch then later in the night uh, with AJ Styles for the U.S. title, which he didn't win. Uh, Our truth by the way, during that 20-man battle royal— recaptured the WWE 24-7 title after he and Sunil Singh were both eliminated in the battle royal. Man, dude, the 24-7 title, man, I think I may have even said, like, when this thing debuted, I was like, six to eight months, this thing is just gonna be background filler, and that's where we're at with this. I don't know that, it, it's, it's certainly not at the highs it was writing when it first came out.
1: It's not, and in our truth, God bless him, he, he tries to find ways to be funny, but he's kind of making the same jokes over and over again. Um, I just... Put it back on the shelf. I think we're about done with it.
0: The club, by the way, uh, came to the ring and uh, celebrated AJ's win over Humberto Carrillo with their gigantic world, the best tag team in the world trophy that they won in the world's largest tag team turmoil match. You had mentioned wanting to discuss this. Michael, what is your opinion? What do you what's your thoughts? Why did you want to why did you want to talk about this?
1: They're the best tag team in the world, right? I mean, they're not the tag team champions of either brand even though at one point they were. But I just think you look at this whole match, and this is the problem contrasted with AEW and the great work they've done to invest in their tag team division. We've said this for years. But even with teams like the Viking Raiders and the Revival being the face of those divisions, uh, the Revival went out against the New Day, if I recall correctly. So they went out early on in the match, even though they're the tag team champions. Uh, Viking Raiders couldn't pull out the victory, even though they're the tag team champions. And I just look at this, and, and they advertised the B squad as being, Oh, your formal tag team champions, the B squad. And there was this moment where just flew all over me. How little those titles actually mean. And it's no discredit to the talent in those divisions, the revival, the Viking Raiders, uh, the club, all fantastic tag teams, but they throw around these titles. So flippantly, it just makes none of this mean anything. Oh, there's a big ass trophy there. That's cool. And and nothing else really means
2: much anymore.
0: You know, I did when I was watching the B Squad came out. First of all, yes, when they reminded me that the B Squad <laughs> had formerly been tag team champions, I was like, wow, that's a really that's a cool thing that I had totally forgotten about. <laughs> um, and uh B, yeah, B for the B Squad, I had not heard their theme song in like years i feel like at this point and uh (laughs) real catchy little riff and i can only imagine what it's like to come out to that for years on end at house shows that's a real that's a that one that that'll sink into your brain that'll keep you up at night
1: (laughs) they're the real tag team champions
0: b squad b squad go 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 uh all right um it was uh it was also announced via a commercial spot at Crown Jewel that the WWE NXT Raw and SmackDown brands will compete for the first time ever at WWE Survivor Series. Of course, Survivor Series takes place uh, later this month, November 24th, from the Allstate Arena near Chicago. Um, this has uh, opened up the door to a lot of uh, cool speculation from fans. I've certainly been seeing a lot of really interesting Photoshopped images uh, looking at, you know, ooh, what if we took the three champions of, of the brands and you had... Uh, the Fiend versus Brock Lesnar versus Adam Cole. That's certainly a thing. That's very different. Um, <laughs> I just there's just one somebody
1: used a picture of it was Batista and Kane and Jamie Noble in the ring and they said, Here's your <laughs> here's your main event of of uh, Survivor series. Oh, that was that was so it was mean, but it was funny. It made me crack up. But, I, I dig this. This is cool. We got NXT out there representing themselves, and that is badass. Even though they have their own pay per view the day before, I believe, this is still a badass thing to do. I like it.
0: Uh, all right, uh, and here is the uh, story that came after Crown Jewel. WWE talent is uh, some still, maybe I don't know, could have gotten out in a little, a little earlier. That's not a good way to start this story. Some is still, ta- some talent is uh, was still is whatever stuck in Saudi Arabia. So here's what we know. Uh, the Wrestling Observer reported there was a situation in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Where the flight taking the WWE crew to Buffalo for tonight's SmackDown was delayed for hours. The word is that a mechanical issue due to the fuel line of the plane, among other issues, is the reason for delay. WWE talents and staff have reportedly been sitting on the plane for hours as they have cleared customs leaving the kingdom, but cannot leave the plane without going back through customs again, which I would only imagine is a nightmare. PWInsider.com reporting that WWE was able to rush out certain talents on another chartered plane. Sources were unable to confirm which talents were rushed out. The rest of the crew has been waiting to leave, may still have several more hours to wait before they are able to fly back to the U.S. The majority of those delayed leaving the kingdom for SmackDown will not make it to TV and are now at hotels in Riyadh. It was said that there is no word yet on when the talents and crew are leaving to return to the United States. WWE officials have made arrangements to try to get those absolutely necessary for SmackDown to Buffalo, but nothing has been confirmed. It was also noted that there are a lot of people within WWE upset about the situation going up the ladder, uh, going up as uh, far up the ladder as one could possibly imagine. A pro Wrestling Sheet added that several blue brand superstars are in danger of missing this week's show. The report noted that the delay has lasted for hours with superstars and other WWE employees being stuck on the plane the entire time. Word was that WWE was working on a backup plan that would get some of the talent to Buffalo for SmackDown, which would be difficult due to the length of the long flight, which is 20 hours. It was also noted that a second chartered flight was being put together for top stars in hopes of getting them to Buffalo for SmackDown. Dave Meltzer. Uh, added finally here on Twitter, WWE quote-unquote had a problem in the kingdom and talent was quote-unquote not allowed to leave on their flight. And that uh, most were still there as of 3 a.m. Eastern. It was reported that 20 people, 12 being talent, had left the kingdom, but the rest were still there. Meltzer also noted how that he heard the rest of talent were not going to be able to leave the kingdom for a lot longer than those three hours, which would put them back in the States uh, too late for the beginning of SmackDown. So, There was a lot of kind of conflicting stuff in this because there was, like, all these stories coming out in the middle of the night into this morning. It does sound like some people are still there as of this moment, though I'm literally—this is such a fluid story, I'm literally looking for confirmation about that. But, dude, if I'm getting held (laughs) up in Saudi Arabia and told to wait in a hotel, I am crapping my pants, uh, so to speak. That is, uh, you know— there's, a, there's an issue with people being held up in in Saudi Arabian hotels if you want to do a little Google search that happened about a year and a half two years ago um, not a, not not good Ter- no. <laughs> it kind of sounds terrifying
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, this is just the worst-case scenario. I mean, you can get trapped in a lot of places, right? But especially overseas in a place that um, has a history of, of things like this not going well. And, and just a lot of reasons, right? You want to get home. You have a show you're going to do. You already have a long plane ride. You're probably grumpy already. Um, it just, just so much that goes into this. And, yeah, there's a big show tonight. I mean, talk about ratings dropping for AEW and for NXT SmackDown ratings have been dropping week over week over week. So I know also WWE feels a strange pressure that we've got to put out our best show because they got partners at Fox who are watching those numbers very closely. Um, Yeah, luckily, if you look at it from the perspective of what can they do tonight, they do Brock Lesnar left early, right? So he kind of should be back. They have some talent stateside who did not go, including some big names like Daniel Bryan. You should be able to put together a halfway decent show. You might not be able to put together the show you advertised or the card you advertised, um, but you can pull something together uh, just yeah, not a good situation though. And the thing that, that drives me crazy about this is, you knew this is going to be a tight timetable, right? You leave on Thursday, you're doing the show, coming back Friday. I mean, yeah, this is going to be close, and yet this still happened. And it just feels like maybe the the backup plan wasn't there. Um, I don't know. Um,
0: well, here's here's what I can, can you believe this one second. As you were talking, and I caught most of what you were saying, I heard back from WWE's PR team about this Saudi Arabia issue. You want to hear what you want to read? What they sent me?
1: Yes, please. You, you
0: want to do it in real time? Yes, <laughs> just, <what>? breaking news.
1: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well,
0: they sent me to an article on their website, so I guess they were getting several requests. I just got this from WWE. Sorry, I just had to forward this to Raj. Um, let's find out together. Let's do this here. Sorry, we're we're going a little long today, but I Mm. apologize. It's been a busy 48 hours. All right. (laughs) So they sent me a link. WWE roster delayed Saudi Arabia. Okay. Here it is. The WWE roster is delayed in its return from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, following a historic performance at yesterday's record-breaking WWE crown jewel event. More than 175 superstars, production crew, and employees boarded a 747 charter flight back to the United States on Thursday. After the door closed, due to several aircraft problems, including mechanical issues, all passengers sat on the tarmac for more than six hours. With SmackDown set to emanate live from Buffalo, New York, several superstars felt so strongly that they arranged for their own separate charter in order to make it back to the U.S. for the show. Due to unforeseen issues, that charter will not land until after the live broadcast of Fox. The remainder of WWE superstars, staff, and crew will depart on a charter set to depart Saudi Arabia later tonight. As always, with WWE, the show must go on. Live at 8, 7 central on Fox, SmackDown will feature superstars such as Daniel Bryan, who did not want to go to Saudi Arabia, The Miz, Carmella, Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, plus additional surprises.
1: let <laughs> just it's just uh, no offense to anybody on that list, but it was like Daniel Bryan and The Miz and Carmella, okay. like you kind of going out of the main event spot to Dana Brooke and and others.
0: Yes, yes, and the rest. Um, all seriousness aside, I, I don't want to make light of this. This is still kind of a, I mean. That's not. It doesn't make me feel better that they're still there in this hotel waiting to leave Saudi Arabia tonight. I wonder. Uh, I wonder what the stories are going to be coming back out of this thing right now. I mean, it does sound like a lot of people are unhappy. Also, the note here. Uh, first of all, six hours on a tarmac is disgusting. Yes. Um. Six hours on a tarmac with the expectation you're about to take a twenty hour flight, Michael. After having just wrestled. Ugh. Now. The superstars felt so strongly that they arranged for their own separate, several superstars felt so strongly that they arranged for their own separate charter. So did they all get together and pool their money to, like, rent an airplane out of Saudi Arabia? That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that it doesn't say WWE paid for it, that they arranged their own charter. That's fascinating to me. Mm. But they're still not going to make it back. That's also super interesting. Huh. Oh man. So basically you did all of that to get out of Saudi Arabia, so it'll make the show. Huh. Uh, this is like this is this is a terrible situation, and and I feel really bad again for the talent involved here because we make the joke about who does that leave for SmackDown the night, which I'm really curious. Tonight's show is gonna be an interesting one to cover. By the way, doing it post-game show right here at 10 o'clock on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Um I, this is such a Strange. It's such a bad thing to be over there. To your point, they've wrestled. They have a long flight ahead of them. Um, yeah. Oh, I just feel bad for them.
0: I feel bad. I feel I feel honestly a little worried. <laughs> like, uh, I mean,
1: yeah, but they're they're a, they're a wall. I mean, they're a mainstream company. I, I, you know, there are protections in place.
0: I hope so. will be okay uh all right well i guess we'll find out tune in tuesday for the winkly i'm sure maybe we'll have updates here after smackdown on the post show tonight as well so uh hey i'll
1: be here for tuesday smackdown (laughs) here for tuesday's tuesday's winkly too i'm all over the place great
0: all right uh onward ho uh a little bit left to get to here wwe's q3 earnings report came out yesterday as well oh it is raining news here the past 48 hours the the revenues were 186.3 million as compared to 188.4 the the uh in the prior year quarter Um, So down just a little bit, uh, it was also noted that the WWE Network averaged 1.5 million paid subscribers, slightly lower than the 1.53 million uh, projected for the quarter from the last quarterly earnings report. The number is down 9.2% from the same quarter the prior year, uh, and WWE projects the network to have 1.43 million average paid subscribers in Q4, which would be a 10% decline from the 1.585 in Q4 of 2018. So a dip there. In network viewership, what do you think? Fatigue, other options? What do you attribute to the decline? In uh... I think
1: it's all of the above: fatigue, yeah. other options, overall declining ratings. I mean, again, these numbers are less than a year ago. I think 1.5 million WrestleMania season is where you're going to see these things kind of end up. Um, but just, yeah, you're going to go down these numbers some more, and it's I, I don't think it paints the best picture for where WWE is at the end of
0: 2019. Uh, well, Vince was in Saudi Arabia for this particular uh, quarterly call. So uh, Barrios and Wilson fielded questions about everything from Crown Jewel to AEW to Eric Bischoff. But literally, I'm not I'm just going to say every time they said nothing like they just did like word garble uh, business ease to get through those mm-hmm. questions. But I mean, I'm not making that up. Right. Like there was no, nothing There was nothing there. There's nothing yep. there. Um, the w- they, do, they
1: don't really explain why these numbers are the way they are. And and to me, I look at these numbers from an outsider's perspective from covering the sport, and I'm like, these numbers are not so good.
0: <laughs> Vince McMahon was said, We're, The engagement is great with our fan base. <laughs> like I don't have to, to, right. any acute, his, include his statement here, but he wrote it in for this particular one. It was like, throw this up on the projector there. Um, WWE stock dropped 15.65% uh, to $56.04 on Thursday, near its 52 week low of 53 25 uh, while WWE managed to beat profit expectations, they missed on revenue. They also uh, lowered their outlook, modifying their 2019 adjusted OIBDA target to 180 million to 190 million from 200 million. So they're lowering expectations there. The company cited a delay in completing a new TV deal in the Middle East for the change. Although it would, although it still would be an all-time record. Uh, WWE saw increases in media revenue. With decreases in live event revenue and merchandise from the prior year quarter, although all three areas missed expectations. Hold on, one second. Media revenue, live event revenue, merchandise revenue. They just kind of lumped it all together, and they're like, "All these things are down from the last quarter." On to the next thing. And, and so,
1: so let's. This is where we all want to clarify this for people listening at home, right? No, wait, profit... in,
0: I'm sorry. Increase in media revenue, decrease live event right. merchandise. They lumped that all together. Go ahead, sir.
1: Right. So, so we talk about profit versus revenue. Profit is. After they've spent all their money, right, expenses, debts, income, costs, whatever, right, after they spent the money they need to spend, profit is what remains. Revenue is literally what they make. Profit is what they get to kind of keep and take home and play with, right? So you talk about this number right here. Yes, they saw an increase in media revenue, right? So their, the amount of money they got coming in from media went up. Um, the amount of money they got coming in from live event um, – merchandise, all that stuff went down, which is not good. But it's also worth saying they've been doing a lot of cost-cutting in recent years, so it is possible to see a decrease in revenue and still see an increase in profit because they're saving money in other ways. It's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's always good to have a profit, right? But it means that you could still be declining while still making a little bit more money because you've decreased costs. Anyway, go
0: on. Mad money with Michael Weissman there, (laughs) man. Well, the media revenue rose 28% to 146.1 million while live event revenue declined 13% to 23.2 merchandise down another 13% to 17 million live events lost money again in Q3, which is the third time in the last five quarters they've seen a downward trend for live events. Total live event revenue was 23.3 million down from 26.7 the prior year quarter. WWE held 16 fewer events in that quarter than last year, excluding NXT. Merchandise was down from 19.6 million in Q3 to 17 million uh, this year and sales from WWE shop were down 16% from Q3 2018. So there's all the numbers there. It, I mean, again, it's like they're hanging their hat on media revenue, which I'm guessing is just the Fox deal, right? And the right. Internet- the Fox
1: deal was great. They yeah. got paid for NXT, which was great. The, the USA deal right last year, whatever, was great. But But when I look at these numbers, Nick, all of these numbers tell me the fan is less engaged with your product. They're buying less merch, right? Sales are down. Um, They held fewer events. They're making less money at live events. Um, And, yeah, it just overall, it's not painting the prettiest picture. Now, you can talk about engagement on social media, and that's a different thing. How are you monetizing? That's what I want to ask. Right. But – I just in in this stock number, right? Let's be clear. This stock number bumped up to about 75. I think maybe it peaked right under 80 dollars a share. Part of that was buoyed by the SmackDown deal announced earlier this year. So this 50 dollar range does not surprise me. Remember when the network went live? They hung out at around 10 dollars to 12 dollars a share before it bounced back up. Um, so this 50 dollars is still a good solid number for them, but the decrease is a little bit concerning.
0: Well, as of right now, they're up almost a percent for the day. But trending downward again. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, Jordan Miles, uh, he continued to respond to his Twitter comments on, on Twitter. It's a lot of tweeting. Um, of course, <laughs> Jordan Jordan made a lot of uh, news earlier this week uh, voicing his displeasure with a T-shirt designed for him at NXT that he felt was racist. A lot of other people have said were racist. How he handled that has been, uh, the, I think, the bigger conversation Uh, But he wrote out on Twitter, why should I apologize for being honest? Why should I not voice my opinion and state the facts about the state of the business? I'm proud to be a professional wrestler. I'm even more proud to be African-American. Stand with me. Stand behind me. Hashtag for the culture. Now, Miles also responded to one fan who said he was acting like an unprofessional slimeball and believed he was plain victim to get money from WWE. Jordan wrote, WTF, I need the money for. Uh, If I was to die right now, my moment would speak forever, not my paychecks. Don't play me. You got to be better. You got a better shot at playing in traffic and not getting hit. Booker T took to his podcast. He commented on the situation saying he did see the blackface element, but didn't really buy the idea that a lot of people sat around and were like, let's make a racist T-shirt. Um, he thinks it was just a miscommunication. He also took issue with the way that Miles uh, called out J. Lethal and used a derogatory term towards him um miles responded to booker saying yo booker i got nothing respect for you have me on your podcast we can discuss this situation as a whole so uh uh, you know i haven't had you on this week michael you know a lot of conversation came out (laughs) a lot of conversation about jordan miles early in the week um i I mean just real quickly here i know we're short on time you know what's what's your boilerplate take on on this how this all played out this week
1: Posted these thoughts on twitter earlier in the week so i want to kind of reflect on that and that is Jordan Miles, right, he's made a big stink about this. And I, I get where Booker T's coming from here. Like, you've kind of over, you've overdone it to a certain extent. I, I get why he's saying that. But let's be clear here. The focus should be on WWE put out this shirt that, if you look at it in the right light, which I think a lot of people saw that, um, it does have a, a certain racist background to it. And I agree with Booker. I don't think a lot of people will sit around saying, how do we make a racist shirt? But as soon as that becomes prevalent if you work in the field of human resources you would know you got to do something about it and move quickly the thing that i don't like is the statement the wwe put out earlier in the week put the blame back on jordan miles and i think that kind of tactic is is wrong here you're blaming the guy who's kind of this cog in the system he's italian he's cog in the system here was told the shirt was approved he kind of feels pressure to go with it right and you you put the blame back on him, you just take blame, accept it. Say, okay, we pulled this shirt. We understand. It was not intended to be this way. We understand why people feel this way. We apologize and pull it. And so I still blame WWE for the way they kind of handled this from a corporate level.
0: I 100% agree with you on that, Michael. You, You kind of reiterated exactly what I said earlier this week, which was just, yeah, why did WWE? Why can't you just say we apologize? Internal error. This will never happen again. I don't think there's any reason because a lot of people read that statement and were like, "Well, there's nothing wrong." WWE's defending itself, and it's like, "No, they're they're painting this guy as like crazy, yep. right?" They're like, "They oh. did."
1: They, it was gaslighting. It was a form of gaslighting. It was a hundred
0: percent, and it was a, it was a message to others too. I think they would want to speak out about this. Yep,
1: and that's where I take issue with it because that's not how you handle a situation like this. If you were, to, what I would call a stand up company from a corporate perspective. Yes, I, I do see though Booker T here. I think is kind of balancing this out and saying. You know, maybe you're doing taking us a little bit too far as far as you're calling out Jay Lethal here. You're kind of blending all these things together. And I think it causes Jordan Miles's message to get lost. I think his statement is getting what he could what he can do with this platform is getting mixed up in all of these things right now. And then he says, put me on your podcast, we'll talk about it. I just don't like that because it's like put me out there and let's have a more like I think it's I, just too I think, much.
0: I think he broke, you know, and yeah. and, and here's the thing is like I, I, I again, I, I understand that the way that this was executed was not textbook. Maybe especially if you you're not sitting there you're like I'm a media strategist. This is not the way you laid this out. This guy's not a media <laughs> strategist, right? He's a pro wrestler, right? He's got all these frustrations. He shoots it out like a shotgun blast. You know, that's really I mean, it reminds me a lot of ways about what happened with Leo Rush as well. You know, yeah. And I think that there is something to be addressed here about why is it the African-American wrestlers that are cracking like this, expressing this displeasure. And I do think that there is something to the idea, like you said, the attitude and the statement there of, well, if you're going to say these things, let's all just remember here. Nobody agrees with you and you know what you're getting into. I don't think that's the right message to send. And it doesn't show growth, in my opinion.
1: Right, exactly. And and then then you know, pro wrestling has a history of being racist. I mean, how many African American world champions do we have? So the industry itself does still need to reckon with this, much like it has been reckoning with its placement of women in recent years. I think there's still something with race the industry has to figure out a way to handle. I think you look at what AEW is doing. They're being very proactive about it, which I appreciate. Um, So just so many moving parts here. And I I hate that we've kind of talked about whether or not Jordan Miles is right, as opposed to I want to put the focus back on what is WWE doing in the situation? and Why are they handling it in kind of the poor way that they are as well?
0: Yes. And on that note, before we get to the next topic, I will say yesterday, I actually had an interview I did with AJ Gray, who is the wrestler GCW is working with to present for the culture, uh, next WrestleMania weekend in uh, Florida, and so next week on the show, I'm not sure exactly what day it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tuesday because it's very very buzzy and topical um you're going to get to hear from someone who got pulled and ensnared into this whole discussion unintentionally he's just like i just woke up and turned on my twitter feed and all of a sudden i'm right in the middle of this jordan miles situation <laughs> <laughs> so you
1: know delete back out
0: <laughs> as a, as a, you know mute <laughs> uh, as a guy who's you know proud person of color and proud you know yeah. proudly putting together a show for people of color wrestlemania weekend uh, he definitely has opinions, but I think it's also just interesting to hear his take on like what it is to be ensnared in something like this, completely unexpectedly. You know, this guy didn't see this coming. So anyway, uh, it's it's
1: it's a tough spot to be in. And listen, uh, there's so many things. I don't know what happens behind the scenes in WWE, and I'm not going to speculate. I don't. I know that there's a corporate hierarchy, and they have human resources department, and they handle talent how they handle talent, right? What I will say is. I do not like WWE's recent pattern of kind of, putting things like this under the rug, right? We talk about what happened with Lars Sullivan, right? And they kind of wanted to brush that under the rug. Um, People had issues with Tyson Fury being at Crown Jewel, right? Because of comments he's made, homophobic comments he made in the past. Uh, There are a number of things here that I think WWE does, is not always protecting itself. I'm not saying they're going out of their way. Don't, don't hear this. They're not going out of their way to recruit people who are racist or have these sketchy backgrounds. I Obviously they're not doing that. Right. But when these things pop up, I don't think they're always handling it in the right way. And yeah. I think you've seen a pattern of this behavior in the last couple of years, as they become more and more and more mainstream with things like the deal with Fox and things like that.
0: Um, all right. Last little bits of news here. Uh, the official NBC sports, Chicago, Twitter account, uh, for the Cubs responded to the Viking Raiders squashing a pair of Cubs players on Ross saying, we like AEW wrestling better anyway, burn, <laughs> burn from the Cubs. <laughs> uh, Uh, After 83 weeks, another podcast uh, that Eric does uh, from time to time. uh, Eric Bischoff commented on his WWE departure for the first time uh, in kind of a sit-down fashion. He was asked uh, about—just a couple quick tidbits here. He was asked about uh, if he talked to Vince about AEW, and he said, Vince actually—or asked me actually a couple of days after the first episode aired what I thought. I was pretty honest with him. I thought the action was good, but I thought what made the show really stand out was just how engaged their audience is. A fair assessment. Um, he also was asked if he had talked to the AEW since he left WWE. He said, I have not spoken with anybody from AEW. Not one conversation. The last conversation I had with anybody that's currently in AEW is probably Cody Rhodes. And that was about two years ago. It was right after he left WWE. And I called him just to congratulate him and let him know how much I respected his decision. Um, so there you go. He has that Eric's <laughs> just some more tidbits about, it. I'm sure we're going to get a slow drip of backstage things in regarding Eric Bischoff's 83 days in WWE creative.
1: <laughs> Eric Bischoff handling his business the right way here, it seems like. I just imagine the phone call when Cody got that call and it popped up on his caller ID. You reckon he just looks over he's like, oh shit, this dude... <laughs> Yeah. probably wants the job right <laughs>
0: yeah well you know it'll be interesting to see where erica uh, landed and i will tease another interview i did yesterday i interviewed conrad thompson which will definitely drop next week and conrad kind of spins a, a different idea of maybe where we could see eric going in the future right maybe where he does have different value i'll tease at that i'm not gonna give it away Ooh. that was a good tease i almost gave it away and i was like no i think people will actually listen to it now because of that tease, um, you could
1: say it would be an elite level of value, an all elite level of value.
0: Uh, maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mike. Shut up. You're gonna, you're gonna. I'm terrible with secrets. You're gonna make me say it. All right, Tommaso Ciampa. He tweeted out about Sammy Callahan's Impact World Championship win. Sammy, uh, he said, Sammy and I attended the same TNA tryout years ago. Neither of us were offered a deal. He later signed with WWE. I signed with ROH. He quit WWE. I quit ROH. We both crossed paths countless times around the world. Tonight, Sammy became the Impact World Champion. Sammy Callahan responded to Tommaso Champa. He said, I don't give a damn about your validation or opinion. I did this all <laughs> on my own, and you kissed my ass like everyone else. Middle finger, hashtag the draw, middle finger. Oh, I love it. I love it. This is why he's your world champion. That's why you put the title on a guy like Sammy, because Sammy knows how to play the game right now. And uh, look, Impact is doing a lot of things, right? I, I I, am going to watch Impact every week right now for my job, for the interviews, and because I just think it's a better product than it's been in the past few years. Yeah.
1: And, and then this is just a great – I love these kind of guys put out really honest, earnest feelings. And, you know, these guys are friends behind the scenes, right? So I don't think that Sammy's actually pissed off at Ciampa. Uh, but I, I will say playing this up gives him even a bigger platform than he had Before this interaction, Um, it's 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 cool. I dig it. And Sammy's a great face for that company right now. You pointed this out. So does Impact have the same theme song that they used at Crown Jewel?
0: (laughs) Yes, they do. It's awesome. I guess. But Crown Jewel's been using I guess they've been using this the theme song for the Saudi shows for like a year or so now. So Impact just like also just happened to do it. But the last line of that song that they cut to is like, let's light it up and set it off like dynamite. And so I'm wondering if it wasn't like a subtle jab to get, you know, the potster in there picking that song. So <laughs> anyway, food for thought. All right. Last thing here. Uh, this happened just this morning and is the reason we started recording late. Um, Joey Mercury opened a new Twitter account at Joey in retrograde. And he had, I, I'm not going to read It's it's way too long to get into here. But it is Joey Mercury just off the chain venting about his frustrations and ROH in particular, taking a- aim at ROH's general manager, Greg. Uh he said that the company is disorganized. Uh, he says the company has no concussion protocol. He noted a recent mishandling of a Kelly Klein a concussion issue. And just generally, you know, torches and trashes uh, the way ROH is being run right now. Uh, I will say that he is still going. I checked his Twitter feed just before we started this segment. Oh, my God. And uh, other wrestlers, particularly BJ Whitmer, Have jumped in and are supporting Joey Mercury through this. Uh, BJ Winterber tweeted out from someone that actually worked in that office with Greg Gilliland everything Joey is saying is 100% true. Kelly Klein tweeted out I'm scared I will get in trouble for saying something in public about it, but the reports I've seen are wrong. He is the best coach I ever had talking about Joey. I partly stayed there so I could keep learning from him. He looked out for us and tried to make us better. TJ Perkins jumped on that conversation, said, Merck is legitimately the smartest person I've ever met in wrestling, changed my entire career, and I've been a very successful in-ring leader, ring general in every place I've gone, all because of him. Literally changed the way I see the game. I owe him a lot. So, um, wait, uh, we had someone, uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, Kelly Klein, she's, wait, she tweeted something else here about this. She said, here second. Da, 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 this is da, all, this da, da, is all. Breaking I'm, getting, news. I'm getting more things in here today as the show is going on. We had someone in Joey Retrograde, she wrote, we had someone Joey at Joey Retrograde who wanted to do that and tried to do that. I love ROH and I want to make it better. I want us to be allowed to make it better. And then she has a note here, she wrote, she said, I love ROH and I want someone guiding the company who will work for the best interests of the product and protect the talent who work hard to make it happen, which I would guess is a diss here at Greg. We had someone who wanted to do that and tried to do that and eventually gave up trying to do that when it became clear that he didn't have the support he needed to make those positive changes. I'm guessing that's Joey. And it sounds like Joey's gone. I love Ring of Honor and I want to make it better. I want us to be allowed to make it better. That's, uh. It's not good.
1: It's, um. This whole situation, right? And this this is an amazing, and I say amazing in the way that it is, like, incredible to see this happen in real time and all these comments by Joey. Um, not that I agree with everything he's done or said, but this is a very open thing that you don't always get. Um, it's amazing to see this Twitter thread happen from Joey Mercury. The thing that I take away from this is something I've been saying for weeks on this podcast. Mm-hmm. The, the fall of ROH this year has been nothing short of just... Incredible to watch. I mean, you talk about going back to March, and they did this sold-out show in Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania weekend, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And when they were announcing that show and all this stuff, it felt like, man, the the sky is a little bit. ROH has been poised for years for success. And it seemed like since that moment... They've just been on this slow downward trend. And I I think this is one of those bottom outs with them right now. Yes, AEW has stolen a lot of their storm, but they were already there. ROH was already there on the scene, kind of laying the groundwork for what AEW did. There's no reason they should have had to take this huge backseat like they've had to do. But I think a lot of it, you see it here, and I've heard this from other places, is just the mismanagement behind the scenes, the way they handle talent and creative it's just not good, and, and I will tell you, Nick, it breaks my heart to say this, but ROH is not in a good place, and I am very concerned about where they go next.
0: My guest at this time is the creator and CEO of Major League Wrestling. They will present their first-ever pay-per-view this Saturday night in my backyard of Chicago. It is Saturday Night Super Fight, and he is the one and only, too sweet to be sour, the Tower of Power, Court Bauer. <laughs> Welcome to the Winkly. Have you ever got that one? I feel like that's a layup as an intro for you.
2: Oh, uh, Dusty Rose used to introduce me whenever I'd walk into the room uh, with something like that. So, yeah, Dusty, uh, of all people, was the one that really christened that for me. So, Hard, hard to beat Dusty, but you did a pretty good job.
0: Oh, yeah. the a towel power. Too sweet to be sour. bower, ladies <laughs> and the gentlemen.
2: There you go. Was that that sounded good.
0: Okay, good. All right. Sorry. I was just kind of riffing, walking around my living room, getting ready for our interview. And I was like, oh, man, that perfectly rhymes. That's great. I got to work that in.
2: <laughs> that's great prep, by the way. Uh, great introduction. Very professional.
0: Thank you, Court. I appreciate that. Well, you're very professional, obviously. is a big deal. MLW pay-per-view debut how are you feeling only a couple of days away here from the first ever pay-per-view?
2: you know uh, pretty pretty good. Uh, you know from a production point of view've we've, we've been doing live programming for about a year on BN with our mon- monthly live special so the live component of this doesn't have uh, have a sweating. Uh, and then Fight TV, which is our our partner on streaming the show worldwide, it's also available on DirecTV and in demand all cable systems and Dish. Sure. But Fight TV gave me their their uh, assessment of our pre-orders, and I looked at the numbers. And I said it's off to a great start. So they have a sense for for what's off to a great start in pro wrestling. So that's that's a great start for
0: us. Yeah. Well, and you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the action we're going to see on the show here. You know, why the decision for this big pay-per-view to have Jacob Fatu defend? The world heavyweight title against LA Park in a no DQ match?
2: Yeah, so we started, I started the road to this big tentpole uh, event for us back in February. We had just signed Fat I, I I could see where this guy was tracking. And LA Park, who has been with MLW since he was originally known as La Parca on our first show. Uh, in 2002 in Philadelphia when he was and now he's changed to La Park, different than Triple A's uh, Parca, who unfortunately was injured recently. Okay. Um, and just two of our biggest wildest brawlers on a collision course was really interesting to me, knowing too that this fight would have an interesting context because. You're looking at you know what a lot of people see as two heels colliding, but in a lot of our markets, where 50% of our audience is Mexican American first first and second generation Mexican Americans, uh, you know that's a legend chasing the belt uh, and one of their biggest baby faces in their in their in their world. So. There's, it's all about context and adding to that context as a story and, and, and the attack on Park Sun and Tijuana and all this stuff we've done to build to this moment. And you have this undefeated legend in MLW chasing another undefeated monster who has the belt. Now you have the War of the Monster. So that's kind of the collision course in the Reader's Digest version of what we got coming up this Saturday night. And you know, just two great uh, wrestlers, You know, two different, different generations but fearless dudes that can just throw down – and I think you can't top that in terms of uh, your main event uh, yeah. for us. It was really just a wild match that really kind of encapsulates what M- MLW is.
0: Now, real quickly, just to clear up any confusion, because you brought mm-hmm. up the La Parca story, and a lot of yeah. people thought L.A. Park was La Parca, Now, can you clarify real quickly the lineage of the L.A. Park <laughs> La Parca names for everybody and myself out there?
2: All right. All right everyone listen. I'm going to get a dry erase board and make like a family tree. Um, so just just hold on a second. So originally in 1992, uh, uh, the original La Parca, who is now L.A. Park, uh, started uh, in AAA uh, as one of the creations of Antonio Pena, the, co- the creator and founder of AAA along with Conan. And for the first 10 years, up until about 2002, 2000, 2003, uh, Parka was La Parca. Uh Then he had a falling out with AAA. They had the trademark, kind of like yeah, Razor Ramon and, and Diesel in WWF back in the day. So when he left and became a freelancer, went to Arena Mexico or elsewhere, even MLW, he couldn't call himself La Parca. So he just modified his, his character, his mask, his gear, and his name just enough to – slide by the trademark laws in Mexico and have his own distinct identity and named himself Park. Uh, L.A. Park, La Authentica uh, Park, or Authentica. I'm sorry, my Spanish is not great. Okay. Uh, so that's what L.A. Park stands for, not Los Angeles Park, as Mance Warner will tell you. Okay. And since 2002, he's been L.A. Park. Triple uh, A then uh, recasted the character with uh, another wrestler, another luchador, as the La Parca uh triple a and there's been some other parks or parkas along the way it's created the whole park of family in triple a right and then la park and uh, introduced his sons he has iho de la park right. and la park jr who just debuted in mlw a few weeks ago in fusion so that's a whole different family tree but that's the origins of the character and the two splits and what <laughs> happened unfortunately uh la parka triple a the second uh la parka not the one in mlw Uh, suffered a really horrible injury last week or almost two weeks ago on a spill outside the ring, tripped on the second rope, uh, and he was going at rush and just crashed, and it hit his head into
0: the barricades. Wow. And so the L.A. Park in MLW, just to clear everything up, is the original (laughs) La Parca from WCW. Not new Sin Cara like they did with WWE, right? Yeah, and yes, and, and and that does
2: happen a lot in 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 Mexico. I mean, there's even a different Conan. So I mean, it's what? it's kind of crazy, but uh, it's just the way it is. I mean, there's there was there's Iho de Rey Mysterio. There's been all types of these derivatives and it's just, it's, you know, there's a lot of the juniors in Lucha Libre aren't actually the sons of the luchador. They sell the rights to another luchador to be that next generation of that very successful character. So it's a totally different business. A lot of ways, you know, you know, to be the son of certain wrestlers uh, in in America, it probably wouldn't fly the same. Um, But it, it, and yet it has to, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that uh, in Mexico is very common.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there it is for everybody who's been wondering about that. And I get asked it more often than you would think court. I'm really yeah. glad that you allowed me to whiteboard that out so I can track this <laughs> properly and sound educated. No uh, well, there's another big dream match here uh, happening on the show and Teddy Hart versus Austin Aries for the world middleweight title. Uh, what are hmm. your expectations from this bout? What do you think fans can expect from it?
2: Well, I mean, you have two guys that really are from the same generation and they are very intense personalities and, They're on a collision course that I think you look at their styles, styles make fights. I think this one's going to be excellent because they can fly and they can go to the ground. Uh, People don't realize Teddy Hart actually has a background in Golden Gloves boxing when he was a teenager. Uh, So he's great at striking. But in terms of this match, I just think you have this collision course of really strong personalities. Uh, You really haven't seen this match before anywhere. So it's going to be a nice one to see uh, because. Austin Aries has cleaned out our middleweight division. He's defeated virtually everyone since he came back to the company uh, in the late spring. He's been calling out Teddy. He beat Brian Pillman in Dallas, uh, then hit a brain buster on Teddy on the ring skirt and denied him uh, becoming a two time World Tag Team Champion MLW. So, a lot of heat, a lot of juice behind this match. And, uh, you know, again, just setting the table for a collision course. And that's that was the design of this, this 10 pole. And I looked at it back in February. It was like by the time we hit November, I'm going to have enough on paper to not just have a one-hour live special. I'm going to have enough for our first pay-per-view based on how I was charting it. And thankfully, we've avoided injuries. We've avoided all types of craziness that just, you know, part and parcel of pro wrestling. And we're able to deliver uh, basically the card I put on on paper uh, back in February, some time ago, eight months ago.
0: Man, and, and talk to me a little bit about what it's like been putting together this match with these two guys. What is it like to have Teddy Hart and Austin Aries in the huddle when you're putting together a feud or a match, I feel like there's some very strong opinions that both of these guys would have for what they would expect.
2: Yeah. You know, I've known Teddy's for God, for too many years. Um, but, uh, you know, we have a shorthand and and that develops over time and you, you know, you kind of know how to operate amongst each other and, and kind of get a sense for what, what their concerns or needs or how they just are and how they're wired. And Austin Aries, since coming, you know, since coming into MLW, has just been phenomenal. Just, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's been amazing. His match has been really good. Uh, You know, he came in to our Milwaukee show when he debuted, and he was like, he was brought, you know, kind of like he got a babyface reaction, was able to turn him heel, and for the context of the storyline, you know, really ran with that, and and owned it. And uh, I think he's done a phenomenal job with it. So, like, Uh, Aries and Hart, uh, I wouldn't want to deal with them probably in the same room because of that Uh, strong personality dynamic. Because of just these guys are pretty intense cats, but uh, I can't say enough about Aries. Uh, He's been phenomenal, and and Teddy, you know, he's fairly calm when the cat's around. So as long as you keep the cat there, that's one of the tricks of the trade with dealing with Teddy is just make sure you have a nice, perfect cat in the room. He'll settle down right away.
0: Yeah, I can, I can imagine it's like if you had two Macho Man Randy Savages putting together a match. I feel like that's what Teddy Hart and Austin Aries would feel like.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, though, it's like super chill. And like you know, Austin Aries, you know, a lot of people have uh, strong opinions and stuff, whatever. I'll tell you straight up, he's, he's been such a great asset to my company, and he's done unlimited media for us. Whatever we've asked, he's been down to do. Uh, he's been great in the locker room. Um, you know, just across the board, he, he's been. You know, I can. I just speaking from my experience, he's he's really been phenomenal. So he's always welcomed in MLW because he's done a great job.
0: Well, uh, I also wanted to ask you about the Von Ericks. You know, I know we've texted a little bit about you know the work they're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. their, their style. I got to talk to their dad, Kevin. That was bizarre. That was yeah. wild, man. I reached yeah. out on a whim and I got the interview. And Roger's like, "What? How did you get Kevin Von Eric? <laughs> I'm like, "Called him. I don't know. <laughs> Emailed him." Um, but man, what does it mean for you personally to have the Von Eriks under contract right now with MLW? You know,
2: it's something we, we talked about. We started, uh, negotiating with them in January and then closed the deal in late spring. And like two weeks later, we found out about the Viceland special was coming. So it was kind of serendipitous. Uh, everyone thought it was a reaction to the Viceland special. We scrambled and signed them, but you know, they'll tell you, no, we were in talks for months. So we were hoping the deal could get done. And it finally did. And, you know, they turned down NXT and elected to, to go to us uh, which was incredible. Uh, and they came at a time when really we were looking for something special, different. Wow. Uh, and, and they really checked off a lot of boxes for me. And just that's that really cool kind of Steve Austin style of brawling, which is different than a lot of brawlers that involve a lot of more hardcore stuff. These are it's a Texas style of brawling, which I love very snug, stiff style, very intense, hundred miles per hour at you kind of pushing the tempo. Uh, and they're great guys. And you watch that Viceland special on you know, the Last on Eric, and you start to tear up. It's a very hard, heavy story, and at the end, the last imagery you see is Kevin with his sons, kind of like walking up this waterfall, and you're looking at the sun, and it's like you realize, oh my god! And as I'm telling something, goosebumps. This he isn't the last on Eric. There will be more, and there's a new chapter, and it's Ross and Marshall. And for wrestling, I think. To have these new chapters told, especially in MLW, where it just it wasn't by design, but we have a lot of these kind of the next generation of of these legacy guys coming in and, and, and flourishing, like Brian Pillman Jr. To be able to chant Pillman again and be able to invest in these guys in their journey and see them ascend, it, it's something so special and so pure about pro wrestling that you don't really have that satisfying experience with whether it's MMA or boxing or other sports that you really you know that you're going to get that experience and you know how to pay it off because we have those controls in pro wrestling. And that's why I think makes pro wrestling uh the best the best sport or quasi-sport that'll ever be is because of these qualities. And you know, it, it as long as everyone's on the same page, it's always easy to tell those stories. You know, of course promoters, talent sometimes they're not on the same page, but uh that that always is gonna be the case. But in general I think it's great to have that in wrestling. And so Von Ericks for us has been you know, a a major, major get in 2019. And along with guys like Alex Hammerstone and Richard Holliday and Jacob fact I mean, the 2019 class of MLW has been wild. If you look at who they are and where they're going to be in the next few years, it's, it's incredible. They're really just a special crew.
0: I want to go back real fast to what you said. I didn't, I mean, the Von Erics had T I think I'd even maybe we'd kind of loosely tied. They had just, I don't think they'd even maybe really debuted maybe in right after the Cicero show, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, they, kind of, I didn't know that they had turned down NXT to come to MLW just to kind of enlighten me a little bit, you know, what are the advantages that you, that they saw with MLW that they were not going to get with NXT that led to that decision, I guess is what I'm well, wondering.
2: It's a few things. Um, you know, the, the presentation of the Von Erich family, uh, people don't realize, but when Kerry went to WWE, it's like they changed him from a Von Erich to the Texas tornado. And Kevin will talk about that freely. It's like, why would you do away and run from the Von Eric name? Right. Uh, That's, and also just a lifestyle choice. You know, they have families. Uh, Kevin has many grandkids uh, out in Hawaii. And so the quality of life decision was important to them. Uh, And also just, I think there's this weird uh, surprising connective tissue between Kevin and his sons and and me through, through Gary Hart and kind of knowing my presentation and, and, and what I'm looking to do with them. Uh, and how I present the Von Erichs is very much in line with what Gary did, uh, who was my mentor and was the matchmaker and uh, architect behind world-class championship wrestling. So there's a lot of you know this accidental connective tissue that we just uh, I think made it feel more comfortable for them.
0: Huh. Cool. Uh, well, uh, you know, you guys, this is an interesting match with the Von Erics taking on the Dynasty. You know, obviously MJF uh, sitting tag title holder with you all, but he's on AEW. Jimmy Havoc's on mm-hmm. AEW. I know you've been asked about the balancing act a million times with these guys, but I guess <laughs> something, one one things I wanted to know about sure. is, you know, how do you, I mean, do you have any input in the way they're presented as part of Do you worry about them, uh, the way they're being presented at AEW, possibly affecting the way they're perceived in MLW? I guess it's something i wondered about.
2: No I, 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 I don't I think fans are sophisticated enough to see that their presentation is different and they're not going to be like oh they're schizophrenic characters uh, And I actually think uh, you know it, it's they're, they're, they're pretty much in presentation kind of vaguely consistent right. um, and and you know AEW is doing a good job we're doing a good job so you know there hasn't been any of that weirdness
0: okay. Um, well, you guys, uh, the big signing, the Sports Illustrated announcement this week, Chris Joseph, he's come on board with MLW. Uh, why Chris now? What strengths do you see him bringing behind the scenes to the MLW team?
2: It's crazy. It was probably in August. I was sitting there, and I was talking to some of the guys on our staff, and I'm like, man, you know, it's kind of crazy, Chris Joseph. All this stuff is popping off. You know, what's Chris up to? What is he doing? Yeah, and right. that led to like this conversation. And he was doing this little show called CBS Big Brother.
0: Okay,
2: and doing very well with it uh, as a producer for them. And you know, it led to a phone call. And it was you know, I go back to 2005 with Chris and one basically my first friend at WWE when I when I showed up to the company. And always good, just a great friend. When we were able to just get on the phone, talk, and catch up, and I was like, man, hey, wanna jump on MLW and basically like one or two phone calls later, it was a done deal. It was very easy to, to make that happen. And I think he was excited to get back in the hunt, uh, because in 2014 Luch Underground really was kind of really just a buzz of the world going through 2018. And, uh, for various reasons, it's, it's no longer there. And I think, you know, Chris misses being a part of wrestling. I think a lot of people miss that Luch Underground feel, um, and Chris has just got so much experience from live TV, uh, which is a pressure cooker. And a lot of guys who are incredible at what they do will just freeze up in a, in a situation or their output won't be the same live, or when it's live. Chris is, is a pro's pro. Right. Um, and it takes a certain type of guy when he's producing pre-tapes and these other things that knows how to to, to work with talent. Uh, I, some people don't get that. And it, it doesn't work with the talent. Yeah. Uh, so... He he gets it. He gets doing TV, and with us uh, expanding our programming on the horizon, uh, you know, someone like that getting into the mix, helping me as I we, we expand to do more and offer more, uh, was essential.
0: Well, I'll throw out the last question I had in favor of the thing you just teased there. So, what are you what are you talking about? More pay per views <laughs> per month? Are you going to do MLW Smackfest on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m.
2: <laughs> nah, no comment. We're, we're we're having some really interesting conversations. And uh, I think 2020 is going to be a, a, an exceptional year for us. 2019 was big. Uh, we sold out 87.5% of our, our events. Basically, only one show didn't sell out. Uh, our merchandise is up 800% from 2018. And that we're not even done with the year. So I don't even know what it'll be like by the end of the year. But that's just from through the end of September, I believe. So you know, we're seeing a lot of growth. It's a great time. Uh, and I can't imagine what 2020 is going to bring, but we're working hard on it right now.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I just a th- free idea. MLW <laughs> Smack Fest, you know, it's got a certain ring to it. I don't know. Uh, all right. I'll w- keep you posted. I will. I will. I'll force the last question here because I got one more minute okay. left with you. So you guys finally announcing the MLW Women's Division. Zayn is saying the first woman to announce, she's going to take on uh, Spider Lady in a match the weekend after your pay-per-view. Why the decision to launch your Women's Division? at the TV tapings the week after as opposed to at the pay-per-view?
2: Because the super fight, and part of the reason this is one of our – I wanted to do this as a big pole kind of marks the end of this chapter, the 2018 to 20 you – know, the 2017 to 2019 chapter of MLW is going to kind of wrap with super fight. We're going to climax and blow off feuds that we've been building for months, these big matches – And then we're going to pivot quickly, transition to the next chapter, which will take us basically from 2020 to 2022. And that starts really with our Orlando show. Uh, And to me, that was a good place to kind of set in motion the women's division uh, and to give it the juice it needs on TV and the representation and stuff, because right now. A lot of our TV time is invested in what we've been building the last, you know, six to eight months. Yeah. And so now it's like okay, it's like WrestleMania. Then now a new season begins. It's kind of the philosophy of why we did what we did there, and uh, it's it's going to be really. I'm re- looking look. I'm looking at. I wish I could share it with you, but I don't want to screw my own creative up. Come on. What I have on my booking sheets here for for the rest of the year and into 2020 is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think people are going to be surprised by some of the new era guys coming in, like Gino Mendina, second generation luchador. His father was in the original Gringos Locos with Conan and Eddie Guerrero yep. and Art Barr. And he's a, a prodigy, just an incredible, incredible wrestler that's out of Houston. Uh, I think people are blown away. He's six foot two. but reminds me of a young Eddie Guerrero and Gino Hernandez, trained by Booker T, does a lot of crazy lucha stuff. Uh, like in the body of an Alberto Del Rio, it's, it's, he, he's going to be someone to watch and he's a stud for us. So another new era guy coming your way.
0: Damn. All right. Well, there it is. Everybody again, MLW Saturday night, super fight. It goes down this Saturday night. I'll be there. I'll be there court. So yes, I heard it. Yeah. I'm coming. So live. We're going to, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be a big one. Yeah. It,
2: you know, and that's the crazy thing. It's like, we keep adding seats. We're basically got just as creative as you can get to max out seats this time. And we're still going to sell out. It blows my mind that we're going to do our fourth sellout, but we're tracking again to do another sellout. We've sold out every show we've done in Chicago since we debuted uh, last November. And so there's just a few GA tickets left. If you want to go get them at MLWtickets.com. But I really recommend you also pre-order the show. You can stream it anywhere in the world on Fight TV. You can go to MLW.TV and pre-order now. That's powered by Fight TV. Or go uh, fire up your DirecTV or DISH or anywhere that you have uh, – Cable with In Demand and just search for MLW Super Fight and pre-order it. It's only $19.95, really good price, two and a half hours or about three hours of action. And there's a pre-show live before that on the In Demand channel, the pay-per-view channel of your choice. So you'll see four matches on that as well. So you're in for a night of fighting starting this Saturday night, November 2nd.
0: My guest at this time is a former WWE superstar, three-time WWC Universal Heavyweight Champion, and he can now be seen every Saturday night as part of MLW on BN. He is the Caribbean champion, Savio Vega. Savio, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today.
4: Thank you very much for for having me and and all the fans that are listening at this moment. Thank you very much. Hey, I'm here to answer whatever you ask to ask well Thank let's
0: you. let's start let's start <laughs> off with Savio I haven't I hadn't really heard about you uh, in the North American wrestling scene in a couple years what led to you signing with MLW and making this comeback there
4: well I was uh, all the time I, I, you know I'm living in Puerto Rico I never leave my my house my island and uh, I was uh, since I left WWF uh, in 99 we opened IWA in Puerto Rico and since there, we, we start working. Then we, by the 2007, uh, around that, we closed the company and uh, we reopened just this year. It uh, was 20 years after we opened the first the first time. So we reopened the company and um, just working here, uh, some uh, other companies in, in the States. But I've been keeping busy myself, uh, you know, going around and, and, and wrestling, uh, you know, uh, here and there. Now, I'm in uh, MLW. I love the company, uh, the opportunity that they give me to uh, wrestle there and uh, work with the talent. Uh, is something that I love. Uh, I like the production, so uh, happy, happy to be uh, with this crew. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, well, tell me a little bit about what your time's been like in MLW. What's it been like working with Court uh, Bauer and the rest of the team over there?
4: Well, like I say, they, they're wonderful people. Uh, they know what they're doing uh the 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 the, crew, the, the boys are phenomenal uh, great talent uh, always is uh it's uh, a door to learn more and, and and focus on what we're doing what we love which is wrestling uh i mean i see this company of course on another level uh pay-per-views uh, being shown uh, at the matches in different places we just come back from tijuana mexico and it was a great card the people was happy uh, what I see there, uh, the people enjoying uh, what MLW is uh, presenting. Of course, we uh, together we crash. Now coming up is uh, is a pay per view, November uh, the second. Then we're gonna be in Florida for uh, television too. I mean, the company is is growing as, as step by step, and what I see is just success because Core have the, the you know his focus and what he wants. The talent is uh, following what is happening in the company. I'm telling you, I-, I love it. I love this company, to be
0: honest. Well, and you know, MLW, like you said, they're bringing their first pay-per-view here. I'm in Chicago. You got, you're got you heading to my backyard here. Uh, it's going to be Saturday Night Super Fight at the Cicero Stadium, which always is a, a very big drawing event here in Chicago for MLW. Um, what do you think of uh, coming to Chicago here, picking us as your is the backyard for for MLW's first pay-per-view?
4: That's, that's wonderful. Uh, last time, before I started with the company, uh, I know they wrestle over there in Chicago. Uh, and now we're coming back. Uh, I miss the pay per view or, or the show in Dallas, Texas. And going to Chicago, the, the, you know, is after me to come back to Chicago after I don't know how many years of the, the last time that I was there. Uh, it's, it's nice. I love it. I love it. and And I see. This pay-per-view is uh, calling the attention of many people. Uh, The card is wonderful, so telling you, the people cannot miss what is happening with MLW. The talent is is the best, brother. To be honest, this talent, and, and, and you one of the things that I see here, you have second generation wrestlers, yeah, which. All we, we see, and I raised through and I, I was uh, together with their, their parents, with the, their dads, you know. And now the kids being inside that ring, and I have the opportunity to work with the kids too. That which some of them I saw them with little babies, you know, and, and now they're inside that ring. Hey, oh, make me uh, happy to work with them. It's like, uh, have my kids, you know, to uh, working together, and uh, what I see. In this pay-per-view in November uh, the second, November the ninth, in uh, uh, I mean sorry, November the second in Chicago, uh, is going to be great. So the people that are listening to to me right now, check on mlw.com. Don't miss any second. Of what happened with this company?
0: Now you talk about the second generation. In some case, third generation. Of course, uh, the, yeah, third. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the hearts—they go back. Maybe even fourth generation. Who knows? But uh, uh-huh. what, how yeah. does how do, how does how does the heart foundation of now compare to the the heart foundation of your era? What do, what do you, how do you think they are the same or different?
4: Well, well I, I could say a little different, of course. But the, you know, the kids right now—they're looking for for more. Uh, more action, the uh, the old ones. Let's call it that way, the old timers. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the beginning of uh, of uh, the old time wrestling. The, the the let's say kind of a slow motion, more wrestling, more details, more of the uh, uh, scientific wrestling. You know, the the heat and, and, the, and get the people in the matches. That was the the other hard foundation. This one right now, they they need to get more strength on the heels. Uh, I love the way they, they wrestle. I love the way they do it and stuff. The people are behind this, uh, you know, not just the Hard foundation, the, the bone areas. I love the way they wrestle uh, when I was with them in Queens, New York. Uh, I mean, uh, what in, in Espanol, in Spanish, uh, are good uh, the uh, the right words, I don't have it in my, in my tongue right now, <laughs> but I see uh, superstars in all these kids. Yeah. To be honest, they're they're working in their body, they working in their skills in the ring. Uh, hey, the only thing you could see is success.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I was watching some of the work you've done in MLW before I did the interview. I watched your match with Alexander Hammerstone. Uh, first of all, yes. first of all, you have one of the best punches I think in pro wrestling right now. I just like watching you hit this man. Um but, yeah. but second of all, what was it like working with Hammerstone? What do you think of him as a talent?
4: yeah t- uh, Hammerstone is a strong guy. he's uh he, he, he I think he don't know what a, what a strong he is uh and and I saw also matches from him in, in, in Japan uh great worker i I see this this kid in in maybe a year uh he's gonna be untouchable uh he's gonna be learning. The way he's working, the way he's training, the way he's focused on what he's doing is uh, very good. The, the match that we, I have with him was a solid match. Uh, of course, I noticed a little bit of nervous in the beginning, but we fixed that in, in three seconds, right away. Uh, and I see, like I said before, I see a big uh, a superstar in Hammerstone. In I see, uh, like I say, in one year, more, you know, Maybe less, but in one year, I could see Hammerstone uh, untouchable.
0: What do you think about his uh, teammate MJF? He's somebody that people have, seem to have a lot of opinions about.
4: Well, uh lot uh, of people, a lot of people, a, uh, MJ, hey, sorry, sorry, which one is MJ?
0: MJF, he's the one that wears the scarf, and he was ringside during your match with Hammerstone, being very loud and obnoxious. I
4: wrestled, I, yes, I wrestled with him in Ohio. Good hand. I saw him in uh, in Tijuana the other day uh, in the Thai team. That kid is another another superstar, uh, and also the the tall guy. I forget the name right now. Yeah, they almost that that team. That that team is great. Uh, like I say, all the crew. I've been watching. I've been watching the whole crew, uh, the left and the right, uh, watching every one of them because I know any team. I gotta be uh, working with them as agent or in the ring. So I need to watch who is who, what they doing, uh, how they do it, uh, how I could help to, to take another step up uh, in their career. Uh, because hey, if I'm working with the company now, I'm gonna be uh, focused in where that talent look super great. So that's that's my expertise uh, at these days. I could say that because uh, like I said, they are great uh, talent. They they have the uh, the war open to learn, and I know with uh, Doctor Tom Preacher there with we New were, uh, we're gonna take this whole uh, hole this uh, uh, crew to another level because it's, uh, they're are professionals they're, they're, they're guys. We, uh, they guys the they want to learn. Uh, I was talking to one of the uh, airborne Eric's the first time that I met them. And I was telling them few few tips of this and that. And and he and so said, that's exactly what my dad says to me. So I said, so you have to follow that. Because <laughs> what he's saying is the truth. You know, you have to follow. He said, man, that's exactly what my dad says. as a brother, he's not lying. He loves you. He wants to feed you. in another level, he wants to see your success. So I, you know, I did even talk to you that. You know, I talk to you right now, and you see, it's, we are talking the same language. So let's go to that. And, and, brother, they went to that ring, and I love the match they have that night it was at the tight team match. And uh, they cannot make it to Tijuana, to Tijuana this time, but I believe they're going to be November the, uh, the 2nd and November the 9th with the show. And, uh, you know, I, I love that tight team already. We all remember that the, their uncles. You know the are superstar, big stars, big big stars. He's that too. Yeah. So uh, the kids, I see the kids in a, in another level. To
0: be honest. Yeah, it's crazy. You know Ross and Marshall, very very talented. I actually just recently got to talk yes. with them, and you can hear in their voice how much the, how how appreciative they are of of this time. And you know, right. I, you you talking about how you were giving them notes as part of your deal with MLW. Are you also there in a producer, agent, trainer capacity? Is that something Court in the MLW team is is wanting you to be more proactive in doing?
4: Well, I'm, I'm like aging, you know, to, to work with them in the matches, and, and they know what they're doing. i just looking for, for tips to, to get better the matches. Don't go too long. You don't need to do more. You know, less is more. But you don't have to do a lot of things to, to get a, the point across. You know, let's let's work on whatever we need in that match. Plus, you know, if core or anybody tell me, uh, you know, don't mention to me. Hey, work on this. I'm gonna do it anyway because it's, it's a rule. You know, I can see the guys doing something wrong and be quiet. You know, I can. You know, I can. I can't accept that. I need to stick my mouth there and tell him, Hey, guys, if you do this, this is gonna happen. If you do that, this is gonna happen. Let's work this way. Let's try next time. You know, or, or whatever. Much you're doing anywhere, just try. You know, don't don't. If if I'm wrong, don't do it. But just try and you're going to see the difference I, when I say that, because I know it's that way. I know I've been in the room for a couple of years, you know, and, and I know a little bit, uh, what's going on inside there.
0: Yeah. You know, and you have been around, Tavio, you know, I, 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 I've been waiting for the right moment to bring this up, but I guess I'll bring it up now. You know, you had mentioned earlier, you kind of wrapped up with WWF or WWE originally in 1999. Um, I was yeah. at, I was actually at, believe this or not, I was at WWE in your house no escape from Texas, which the main event was uh, Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, Owen Hart, and Steve Austin okay. versus the Outlaws. Uh, uh, Triple H and you replaced Shawn Michaels yep. on that show, and yep. I will I will yep. never ever forget that I was there in the arena that night, and you were the surprise. Um, just as yep. a little bit of a detour, I don't know if you would mind telling me kind of the story about how you wound up in that main event and. You know what was going what, on that? What night.
4: happened? Yes, I remember. What happened is uh, Shawn Michaels. That's when he got hurt. His lower back was was uh, uh, out of place or something, and he cannot. They, you know, the like doctor said he cannot uh, wrestle. So uh, they replaced me. Uh, you know, they put me there with that uh, in that match, which I enjoyed. That's when I put I wrapped, uh, uh Mick Foley and uh, Butterwire. Yes, it was. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a kind of a crazy match, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, but I enjoyed it. I saw, I saw that match a couple of months ago, and I was laughing, looking at uh, what's going on there. Uh, uh, you know, some 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 guys send me matches sometimes that I didn't even remember that happened. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my god, look at this, and uh, I show it to my kids uh, right now. But that match was, uh, you know, replaced Son, uh, uh, yeah, because he was hurt.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I was 13 years old when I saw saw that match. So I was sitting there.
4: Uh, easy now, easy now. <laughs> sorry. I, I, was, I, was like, I was like 15, uh, I believe so.
0: Sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, I really, I never, I never forgot that. I've always wanted to interview you and, and bring that up. Um, well, but that's the thing is, you know, Savio, you were around with the height of the Attitude Era there. You were in probably one of the, the top programs at the time with DOA and, and the nation. How much of what's going on right now with, with the promotions all – finding success and so many promotions at the same time, finding success. How much of this reminds you of, of that period, the attitude era?
4: Well, that, like you said, you know, that, that era was, uh, a big, big time, you know, Mark, everybody that was uh, working in the company, uh, by that time was a great era. Uh, uh, the people believe big time in wrestling. You see the house, uh, was packed all the time. Um, what's happening right now to be honest i don't follow too much what's going on in in wwe uh because working or doing other stuff is kind of a hard to sit down and watch the, the the shows you know i see pieces and pieces here and there uh but don't take me too much to understand what's going on you know and where they could go what you know they what they could do uh uh in you know from from the story to the whatever they're running right now um, I see new faces, you know, lately, the last what two years, uh, the faces that are changing a little bit. Some of the guys went to another company, um, and that, that makes, make you as a booker or uh, writer, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, you know, that, that's like, uh, disturb the water when you have the water clear and somebody leave or somebody got hurt or or, or two or three guys, uh, gone, you know, it's like, uh. The water got dirty and you have to work on it to get it clean again. You know, because uh, the story changed. Story changed from one second to the other. Uh, I know the WWE uh took care of itself in the in the point where okay, we're gonna, you know, finish this guy, whatever it is, so three months, we need to finish this story already, stick another one there. So when we lose that guy, nothing happened. You know, but when you lose some guy some somebody, the strong names, uh hurt you, you know, they, I don't know, probably they lose the guy because they, they want to leave their title of the company, the money or whatever, whatever reason. But when that happened, the story uh, moved uh, to a different way. If you don't have the right play player to to get that uh, story across, you lose, you lose. And, and here in MLW, looking at MLW, at this moment, right now, they have like I said in the beginning, and, I go, and I'm not going to be tired to, to say it, they have a great time to do a lot of things, many, many things. And that's what's happening. That's happening now. Uh, you know, The November the 2nd, in that pay-per-view, is going to be uh, surprises. going to be great matches. Uh, i just tell you, know, all the fans that are listening to me right now, maybe don't know it, MLW, look for MLW.com check what's going on there check what's what is in youtube check their the page uh look the talents that these people have is unbelievable they are great good talent young talent looking they're hungry hungry to 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 wrestle hungry to go to another level and i see the success of this company you know anytime somebody's gonna pop like a popcorn
0: yeah. You know, and for you, Savio, just to wrap it up, you know, what goals do you have left in pro wrestling? Is there anything else you'd like to accomplish or, or get done?
4: Well, man, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people asking me about, hey, what are you going to retire? I said, well, I'm going to retire when I die. <laughs> because I love what I'm doing. Of course, uh, hurt, back, neck, uh, this, that, whatever. You know, but when we cross that, that uh, curtains, you know, you go to the ring to entertain the people and you forget the, the pain uh and you and your buddy you went over there to do your job we have the company here in puerto rico iwa puerto rico which the people could see it on on youtube every Tuesday every saturday at one o'clock we have a, a show uh on youtube uh local television uh i mean we're doing a lot of things here in the island these other companies around uh that they doing their their work too so i mean to me, I love what I'm doing in, in MLW. You know, I like the production. I like to work with the with the talent. Uh, you know, since you know God give me uh, the, the 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 power to continue, I will uh, do my job uh, teaching or, or you know the whoever needs whoever needs.
0: I hear you. Hey, Savio, I want to thank you so much for the time. I hope I get a chance to chat with you another time down the road. Is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today?
4: Just look for my pages, guys. uh, Tio Savio Vega on Instagram. Tio is Tio is uncle. Tio uh, Savio Vega. Look for Savio Vega official fan page uh, on on uh, uh, Facebook and also on Twitter at Savio Vega. Uh, You know, look for there and you can see me and MLW. You know, uh, every time, anytime. And uh, Nick, thank you very much for, for having me, brother. Uh, and all the people check on mlw.com. Very important. Watch It's, it's another way to see wrestling. Good to
3: meet you, pleasure. Handshake, make it official. Oh yeah. So um, I'd like to start
2: with. Uh, you are very prepared. Oh yeah. I'm I, very I wanted, proud of you. Yeah. Well, I wanted to Haven't stay on point. Case? I didn't yeah. want to. Don't want to waste any time or anything. Heck yeah. Uh, what was your reaction to finding out that uh, Anthem had become a majority stakeholder in Access TV?
3: It's amazing because now that we've had one of the best professional wrestling shows on the planet today for the past two years, now the world's actually gonna get to see it and gonna see our vision and what we've been doing. Uh, i put our roster right now head to head with any roster, or any other company on the planet, and that's not just saying that because I want to be a team player. That's because I truly believe it. Like we're 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 cutting edge. We're edgy. We're not afraid to offend people. That's what people wanted in professional wrestling, Impact's actually giving it to them. People say the best time in wrestling was the attitude era. They wanted the attitude era and it looks like Impact Wrestling's the only company that has the cojones to actually go out and like give them that. They're not afraid to offend some people, not afraid to ruffle some feathers.
2: So following up on that, you, you don't feel you'll have to tone down your style or, no. or, or anything No, else? I don't you care know, where I... be television station?
3: Any company I'd wrestle for around the world, at this point in my career, I don't think I'd ever tone down myself. There's a reason that I'm one of the most watched liked retweeted buzzworthy wrestlers on the plane today and that's any company anything I've touched in professional wrestling the last two
2: years turned to gold
3: do you uh, I'm very modest as you can tell
2: so so going off your of modesty what do you make of uh,
0: impacts competition at the moment
3: oh it's a great time to be a professional wrestling fan uh, there's wrestling on every day of the week uh, a lot of wrestling fans and the media want to say a couple years ago that all oh, wrestling Wrestling's, like, really dying. The the numbers aren't what they used to be. That's because people don't watch their content the same way they did in 1995. Now with YouTube, with streaming services, you can watch content anywhere in the world, anytime you want. If you look at just social media numbers, professional wrestling is one of the most talked about sports on the entire planet right now. Like, I, I truly believe there's more eyes on professional wrestling right now than there's ever been ever in the history of professional wrestling. It's just people watch their content differently. First, like, dude, I I watch almost everything in my life on YouTube. Like, if I want to watch a wrestling show, it's like, okay, this show was on Monday. I don't feel like watching the whole three hour show. I can watch a 20 minute highlight video that shows every single thing that was big on the show. Or I can put on What Culture? Or I can put on Wrestle Talk Television and I can get all the up to date. Happenings of what's happening in professional wrestling.
2: So, how does it feel for you to get another shot at the impact? Oh, this is my first shot. At?
3: Oh, your first shot. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I pretty much single-handedly been one of the talents that helped bring this company out of the grave, and it's my first championship match. It's because people like me—they don't like to see people like me on top. They don't want me to be a face of a company. Because look at me—I'm I'm tattooed. I'm alternative. I'm a different human being. They want people like Brian Cage to be the face of Company because he looks good on a poster, but the difference between Brian Cage and myself is I connect with people.
2: Uh, are you because the, wor- at the all world the world is ruled
3: by people that look like me now. I, I mean,
0: uh, Brian Cage is very. I'm not intimidated man. by Brian yeah. Cage. Look
3: at Brian Cage. What has he defended the title twice since he's had it in March? Uh, he he breaks down more than a McDonald's ice cream machine at this point. <laughs> So why would I be intimidated by that? If you guys forget, look at your history. Uh, I was the first guy to ever beat Brian Cage in Impact Wrestling last year at Bound for Glory, which is pretty much a year ago.
0: Now, uh,
3: what? Mess- I'm really good at this interview oh, stuff. Yeah,
2: no. I was wondering what message
0: were you trying to send when you crashed Brian Cage's wedding? Hey, I wasn't Santa's? trying to
3: crash the wedding. Brian Cage is the one that put his hands on me. I was trying to give him a present, didn't let me in the wedding. Sammy Callahan gets what he wants because if I don't act like a child, I'm not afraid to say that. I really like doing whatever I like, and I really hate being told the answer no. But that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's everyone. People just don't want to admit it. People just don't want to admit it. We're all children at heart. I'm just a baby. Will uh,
2: will your, OV be, your OVE brothers uh, play a role in your match with kids? No.
3: If you look at any big match I've ever had at Impact Wrestling, I went out there by myself. Because, sure, I I may take shortcuts. Sure, I may have my boys help me overcome odds. But at the end of the day, when all the chips are laid down and it's a big match like this, I go out there by myself and prove why I'm one of the best professional wrestlers walking this planet today.
2: Now, now, you mentioned your boys. Is
3: there a possibility of adding a lady to the group? 100%. You never know what's going to happen. They'd have to be from Ohio. I mean, we've had people try to get in the group that's not from Ohio. and I think that's a, that's probably the number one thing about being in our group is you got to be from Ohio. Because that's not just a character and that's not just uh, a character trait that's us in real life I truly love Ohio I've lived all over the world I was just living in sunny Orlando, Florida and I could move anywhere I wanted around the planet I almost moved to LA I almost moved to Texas but you know what I decided on? Dayton, Ohio because I love Ohio and I love the people there I like seasons I like having fall, winter, spring, summer I don't like it to just be summer all year long I like hoodie seasons I like to go snowboarding I like to build a snowman
2: (laughs) Good
3: mountains out here. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. Of a drive. it's not Ohio though. <laughs> now Jake is defending this. his. I love Ohio. <laughs> yes, I, you I, do. I, I honestly I love Ohio. I love Ohio. That's why you love Ohio. Yes, dude is legit. Buckeyes, Cincinnati Bengals hate the Browns. I think it's really funny that everyone's like, "A Baker Mayfield's gonna be the savior of the Browns." They give him all this money. They give him all these endorsement deals. He didn't even have a winning season last year, and he's getting the. Dem- this year, another flop. Can't believe it. <laughs> I'm, I am four, five and zero oh right now. My fantasy league is killing it. McCaffrey was my first pick. Let us kind of be us, and let us make mistakes. They let us fall on our face, or they let us like go to that next echelon. Uh, I don't think I would be as over as I am right now or in the spot I am today if Impact Wrestling wouldn't have uh, had some fights with me in the past. Be like, you can't do this. When I go out and do it, and it'd be over, and they'd be like, you know what, go to you, because only you know how to be you.
0: How do you flesh that out afterwards when you, when you see, if you make a mistake or if you, or you're happy with something?
3: It either works and they're very happy, or it doesn't work and you got to apologize. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit when I've been wrong or done something incorrect, but I'm also someone that fights for what I believe in is the correct way to do things. Well, it's good because I see a very liberated command in yourself in this industry, and I think what we knew about the WWE not to compare it, but ah, dude, I, I walked on eggshells. I walked yeah. on eggshells. I became a shell of a person of who I was. That's why I quit. Like I didn't like the. Per- I was becoming, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I am gonna create my own future, and I'm gonna bet on myself. I think it worked out pretty good for myself. Yeah, and you get to live it life. 100.
0: <laughs> oh, you know what? Could you talk a little bit about your history with the Chicago pro wrestling scene and what yeah. it means to you to have battled uh, glory? Before? When I when I quit
3: WWE NXT, Chicago was the first place I showed up. Three days later, and uh, I'd like to say that I'm one of the reasons that Chicago wrestling is as hot as it is right now. Like no one was really talking about Chicago wrestling anymore until I showed back up and the work that I've done with AAW there to blow that, that whole territory up at the moment. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Michael. We went Broadway to start the show over an hour of punditry here to get things going. It's good to know that, you know, we have an hour of our Friday afternoon available (laughs) to do things like this. I was a little worried you were going to be like, well, I've got to leave, but that didn't happen. So here we are. I got you. It's a big show today. I want to thank MLW's Court Bauer and Savio Vega. Of course, I want you to go out to uh, go over to uh, fight.tv. Go over to your DirecTV pay-per-view. Order MLW's Saturday Night Super Fight. I will be on site there tomorrow covering the show. We'll have uh, live uh, tweets coming out of the show. We'll have live coverage over on the site. All things MLW, Saturday Night Super Fight, WrestlingInc.com. That's the place to be. And, of course, I want to thank Impact and Sammy Callahan, as well as Brian Wolf for going out to that event for that last bit of audio as well. Big, big week next week. Like I teased, the AJ Gray interview. We got Conrad Thompson next week. Our good friend Andy Malnowski, uh was just out at the 80s Comic-Con. He came back with, like, 11 huge... Uh, interviews with like big name people, you know what? I know, I know for a fact that we're gonna run the J.J. Dillon one next week because I want to put J.J. and Conrad Thompson on the same show. It just seems mm. right. It just seems right. Yeah, to pair those things together feels right? good. Yes, <laughs> it feels it feels nice inside. So uh, that will be next week, and uh, and just a lot. I've, I've I've been told by some of our other people out in the field, like Scott Fishman, he's got a big interview that I think he's doing today. I'm not gonna give it away, but we could have another really big name here on Monday that that'll blow you out of the water as well. So, a lot to get to here next week. Um, I can't wait to bring it to you. And, Michael, with that said, what do you want to plug, put over here before we wrap up the show today?
1: be back on Tuesday's weekly You know, Nick, you told me you were going to do the Friday show, and you said, ah, they're short. They're, you know, Thursday shows normally. We go a little bit shorter, not quite as much news. It must be something that when you and I get on the Skypes together, dude, just news just happens. Dude, right? we had
0: two—we had AEW NXT, Crown Jewel, the Crown Jewel, Fallout, WWE's Q3 Financials, and then the hodgepodge of other just randomness. And then, of course, yeah, this morning I wake up, and I'm waking up, and I'm trying to track the Saudi story, and then I get a tweet from— or I get a, a text message from a friend that's like, dude, Joey Mercury is having a breakdown right now on Twitter. And I'm like, what is happening right now? It is. It's, uh, Raj and I are both a little fried. I know we I know we both had a cocktail or two last night for Halloween. I know that we're both up and running today. But, man, it might be a hard drop tonight before I have to go cover MLW tomorrow. You
1: know. That's right. That's right. No, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be here on the uh, Thursday or Friday slot filling in for the bar. But I will be back Tuesday with you for the Winkly. Um, and, and I do uh, SmackDown Friday nights covering it for Wrestling Geek as well. So I will be doing the social media. Uh, follow that tonight if you're watching the show and whoever else has happened to be on that show um i'll be doing the post game show tonight with um matt morgan and glenn rubenstein and you can follow me any day of the week 24 7 i am the 24 7 twitter champion at the real Wiseman.
0: And i'm at wink rebel over on twitter thank you so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it